Welcome into Scurry and the Scrub Podcast, everybody. Long time no talk, but Jordan and I are, we got some things to say, we got some fun to have, so we decided to hit record and let it rip. Um, obviously, that's Jordan Scurry. I'm Matt DeMarinas. We are your hosts, and we have a fun little guest panel tonight, uh, dusting off the cobwebs, um, bringing in Johnny Atawa, former beat writer for the Creighton Blue Jays, and uh, Vinny Benedetto, former beat writer for the Creighton Blue Jays. And current beat writer for the Denver Nuggets. So we're going to talk a little bit uh, NBA Finals, Creighton Blue Jays, College World Series. And then we got a fun little fun little topic at the end for you guys. Um, so Vinny, first of all, man, you're covering an NBA champ. How does that feel? Like what's what's it what's the transition been like covering like a college day to day team to covering like professionals that are actually of championship caliber? Is there a big difference there? Yeah, I'd say there's a, a there's a big difference in that just dealing with players. It isn't like you just, you know, you don't just go to Rob and like, hey, can I get right. five minutes with insert player name today? It's, you know, they're, they're still head of PR and stuff, but there's a bunch of uh, you've got agents to deal with. And, you know, a lot of things are out of team PR's control in terms of what they can get players to do. So it's, there's a little bit more runaround. Things are a little bit, I'd say, more political. But uh, you know, just covering this championship run has been has been a blast. It, it's weird. People are like congratulating me as if I did anything other than write a few articles and you know do some podcasts. But uh, yeah, no, incredible experience. Uh, pretty great team to cover, and we can maybe get into this later. But it's like the way the Nuggets play sometimes reminds me of how the Jays played in, in some McDermott era, Doug McDermott era stuff where it was. And I, and I think these, these principles have carried on, but just the, the willingness to to move the ball and pass up a good shot for a great shot has kind of been their, their guiding philosophy. And that's something that I, I saw a lot of in my time covering Creighton as well. What was the, uh, what were the, what was the scene like on closeout night? Cause you're in the locker room, champagne's going all over the place. Like what's that scene like in terms of, I don't know, just like trying to chronicle it, but also take it in because everyone's kind of on cloud nine. That's like the pinnacle of their careers for some, for a lot of those guys. Yeah, it was a, a pretty, pretty incredible just amount of joy to be in the presence of in terms of you know, Nikola Jokic is a guy who's always prioritized team success over the individual accolades. So that was kind of his mm-hmm. big moment. And then Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., both dealing, you know, for, for Jamal, it was the first serious injury he dealt with in his career, the torn ACL a couple of years ago. Um, And then Michael Porter Jr. Having been through three back surgeries, it was like every time he went under the knife, it was like, okay, maybe he won't ever play again. You know, he had to deal with that thought um, and bounce back from that. So those guys, you know, the, the joy that they had was pretty incredible. Uh, Yeah. And and it's a tough balance between taking in the moment, you know, taking my little videos for social media and and jotting down notes because, uh, the iPhone doesn't quite work the same when it's been through a champagne bath or two. So, uh, and, and pen and paper isn't going to do you much good with that much champagne in, in the air. So uh, mm-hmm. it was a delicate balance, but yeah, ton of fun. So I have a question for John first, but it, it's going to play into one I have for you as well. So covering Creighton, and I think my pers- my point of view on this was different because I was a fan growing up through my childhood. My dad took me to games, and that's kind of how I um, – transitioned into covering the Jays. Yours was different. So I'm curious when you feel like, cause I think this plays into the nuggets a little bit. When you feel like a team is kind of 
under the radar or not getting the love that they maybe deserve, the accolades they deserve. Do you feel like do you feel yourself playing into that more in terms of your coverage going a little bit over the top to accentuate some of the things they're doing in order to highlight it for a bigger audience? Um, did you ever feel like that happened in your time covering Creighton when you feel like they just weren't getting the quite the 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 just the level of respect that they you thought they should be getting? Yeah, it's interesting because like when I stopped writing about Creighton uh, more than a year ago, I feel like Creighton was finally starting to get some respect, <laughs> like preseason top ten team type stuff and in- ranked. Obviously, the season had a bunch of highs and lows this last year. I mean, I should I should say in let's see that the the team that made the Sweet Sixteen in twenty twenty one they were preseason eleven, so they were getting some love then too. But um, when I first took over the beat, yeah, it felt like they weren't getting um, the respect they deserve the program, and I think the players kind of relished that a little bit. Jordan, you could probably speak to that. I feel like you guys um, like the chip on your shoulder, but as a as a writer covering that, now I would try to capture that feeling as much as I could, but I don't know. I think my audience is Creighton fans and they, I don't know if they necessarily needed to be reminded that other people across college basketball didn't believe in them or, or skeptical. I think you just sort of documented what was going on and the cool moments that the fans wanted to read about and maybe the questions they had about what was going on going forward. So um, I don't know. I don't think that really colored how I approached it. What, the sort of general national perspective of Creighton was um, on just on a day-to-day basis. So um, no, I don't think that, I don't think it impacted, it impacted me, but I think that um, it's interesting because I feel like it, it, it impacts the narrative, especially when Creighton starts winning mm-hmm. and then whether it's on social media or maybe it's a national broadcast or, a national writer coming in asking questions and suddenly it does sort of change some things, but I don't know if for me it impacts how I approach it, but I do think that like if I'm a fan consuming content, whether it's on a broadcast or on a website, that's not from what I wrote, you'd hear it and you'd see it. So I don't know, but I, I didn't, I didn't, maybe that was wrong, but I didn't approach it that way. So what was it like for you, Skirt? Well, Cause you guys were picked seventh year. You won the, the, you were picked seventh year. You won the conference title, mm-hmm. but you were also like chasing Seton Hall and Nova that whole last two right. months. Like I don't think you guys well, ascended to first until the last day. You know, what I mean? hold up too. But the year before that, they were picked ninth. Yeah, you know, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no. Well, first, first I want to start. Vinny, John, appreciate you guys coming on here. Would no better people to have this conversation with, and I think it's just. Especially because what I'm trying to parallels here, what we're talking about is exactly John, like what you were saying, you captured like I think in the years when we were playing, is it was like we were starting to get to that point because we were getting so good that we were getting that recognition, which is what I really think we see with Denver this year. Like we finally got to like draw back the curtain for the Denver Nuggets to see who they really were through and through. Like you were saying, we finally started to get media coverage and obviously like it was through the Doug years, that's when it started. But it became consistent for us like after, because that was like the beginning. And so I felt like we were during the part that was like becoming real that year specifically. 
Uh, and I think that's like what we're seeing with Denver now. Now that's why people are always now that's why the narrative is is it a dynasty, right? And mm-hmm. when we when I was there, it was just like that's what you want to as a college basketball team. You want to be like, okay, we're this is sustainable. This is what we can keep up. And so yeah, I knew we were gonna say we said we were gonna get into it, but I had to jump into it now. Yeah, a lot of parallels there already. I, I, I think I think there are, and I'm I, that's what I'm curious, Vinny, if it if if you heard it and if it affected your coverage at all because i think you know as soon as you guys as soon as denver broke through and got to the finals right they had the nine days off before june one right um and then you know i think chris mannix went on the rich eisen show and said they're just not really interesting there's not really there aren't any any interesting stories on there and that kind of got a lot of traction you had um some shows on fs1 and espn that were kind of downplaying the historical significance of what Denver's done and the path they took to get to the finals. And even through the finals, it was really kind of strange too, because it felt like more of the, I guess we'll call it analysis, uh, was like more, what's Miami not doing right? Why is Jimmy Butler not doing so-and-so? Why aren't the guys um, on Miami playing the way they played in the Boston series? Like it felt like it was just Denver was just there. You know what I mean? Did, did that, did that impact your day to day at all as you, as you went through the playoff run covering these guys? Uh, it almost made it a little bit more difficult because, kind of like to John's point, when, when the, you reach this level of success and you've got all the national media coming in, and like when they're moderating press conferences, like um, it's in you know the NBA wants to help out one of their broadcast partners in, at ESPN, so you've got all the ESPN journalists getting their their questions in and. This is no shade to any of them specifically or as a whole, but they're asking a lot of questions that if it came from Nuggets media who have followed this team over the past couple of years, things that we've kind of beaten to death. Like, um, you know, can you talk about the significance of Nicola's unselfishness or something, something that we have just like that has long been established around Denver. So it's like you got to get your one or two questions in and commit to your story off of that and and get it done that way because some of the some of the stuff that's good for for the national audience and and a good introduction for them as to who this nuggets team is or was um doesn't really play the same locally you know if i wrote a story about nicola being a past first guy who's kind of a reluctant scorer at times people would look at me like we've read this a hundred times in the last five years um and and it's interesting because this is a weird Denver centric thing, but it's easier for national media to watch nuggets games than it is for a lot of people in Denver to watch nuggets games. Cause we've got a dispute sure. between our local, um, the predominant cable provider in, in mm-hmm. Denver and the, uh, the company that broadcasts or has the broadcast rights for the games. So a lot of people in Denver are, are like streaming illegally these games. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, anyone with league pass outside of, the Denver geographical area could watch all the Nuggets games they wanted. And we still have some of these people whose full-time job it is to watch basketball, admitting that they haven't really watched Nicola play or they're surprised that he's as good as he is. And it's just, you kind of want to beat your head against the wall sometimes, but uh, that's enough of me complaining about (laughs) covering. So yes, along. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of strange when the NBA press conferences start, because then you do start to get, it feels like the questions become more generic mm-hmm. as you hear because the press conferences are streamed. NBA TV has them all. And you're just like, I feel like those are questions that would be asked on like the first day of training camp as opposed to 
you know, June June finals in time. You know what I mean? Yep. To be okay, so I I'm not a hardcore NBA fan, but my so my casual sort of reaction to when the playoffs were field was set was no one was talking about Denver. Even though Denver was the one seed, nobody was like it was kind of like, okay, yeah, they're the one, but whatever. Let's get Lakers Warriors, winner of that's going to the finals. Like I mean, I don't even I like it was probably game two of the Nuggets Lakers series where people were kind of like, Oh, dang, they can play. <laughs> okay. Like that's what it felt like to me. I don't know, Vinny, if how, how you perceived it or, or Jordan and Matt falling a little bit closer than I was, but I was just like, nobody gave Denver a shot, it felt like, until they actually started stomping on the Lakers throat. Well, Vinny, I don't know if you felt this, but like it felt like they felt like the Spurs to me. Where like the Spurs would be this team that always a top two seed in the West, like, but they don't play, they don't have a you know, like headline grabbing superstars. You know what I mean? They've got, they, they just feel like the boring old Spurs that just do what they do and do it really well. And then they're always there in the end. Like Denver's run felt very Spurs ish to me because I don't think it's a surprise that they went through the playoffs the way they did because they are that good. They've been that good and they've been knocking on this door for a couple of years now. This isn't like they just burst onto the scene this year and, you know, uh, carried it through. Um, did it feel, did it feel a little bit like that for you? Um, in terms of their run, because it didn't feel like this came out of nowhere. It felt like this they built this for this to this point, you know. Yeah, and, and it, continuity has been something they've kind of long said has has been some to their benefit. Um, you know, they were in the Western Conference Finals in the bubble in 2020. The next two postseasons, they don't have Jamal Murray. The last postseason prior to this one, they don't have Michael Porter Jr. So it's like people diminished their expectations as they should have for the last two years. But then this year and kind of to John's point about people sleeping on them, they were the one, they were the one seed in mid late December and stayed atop the Western conference finals through the end of the regular season. And and while all that was going on, like the Lakers and the Warriors were question marks as if they were even going to, if they were going to be a play-in team, if they were going to be, you know, fighting for the sixth seed and then, it got even worse for, for the Nuggets when Phoenix makes the Kevin Durant trade because now all of a sudden they're the – how is anybody going to stop Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker? Um, and so, yeah, it was like the Nuggets have just kind of stuck with what they had. You know, back in the bubble, they felt like that was their their first foray into a deep playoff run, and they felt like that experience was going to be really beneficial, and they wanted – to commit to that core. Uh, Michael Malone always tells a story about the night Jamal Murray tears his ACL in golden state. Murray asks, you know, are you guys going to trade me to, you know, cause I'm damaged goods for this playoff run for sure. And, you know, who knows about the next one? Are do you guys need to cash in your chips here and prioritize as many opportunities as you've got at this thing. But, you know, to the San Antonio point, that just ha- isn't how the Nuggets wanted to operate. They wanted to say, you know, if they, they feel like they believe their their championship window remains open as long as Nicole and Jamal are here and healthy. And so they were they were willing to commit to that. And even if that meant, uh, you know, not being a, a, a bona fide contender in in the two years that it took for Jamal to get right. So yeah, a lot of a lot of parallels to the to the San Antonio thing for sure. And I think too the the biggest things for me and just 
and just to highlight even what you were saying about the bubble, came back down two three one deficits. I feel like we don't talk about that enough. Like the bubble, yeah, just to highlight that. But then, and again, this postseason, I think it was also they were the only team to me at least in the Western Conference. Like I guess there was other other storylines that were better, but they were the only team in the Western Conference that going into the playoffs, like of the. I read going into the playoffs, it was like the only team with concrete evidence you could say was good during the regular season in the yes. Western Conference was yeah. the Denver Nuggets. No other, every other team was just like, I, I mean, like the Suns got Durant, the, the 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 Lakers rebuilt their whole hat team. I guess maybe it was every other team was a gamble. This was the only team that was built, and like I'm saying, just built on their everything else they had. So yeah, no, I just I think it was just the Spurs comparison too. The other one was reminded me of the Spurs master. A good call was I feel like Jamal Murray had a very Tony Parker-esque postseason mm-hmm. in terms of like he was probably the best point guard throughout the whole postseason, but we didn't talk about him like that until the finals. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, Vinny, yeah, like what, no. what 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 do you think made the difference for them? I because I, I don't I don't know. If you're if you're covering a team that has never done something before, there has to be a little bit of can they do it in your mind, right? Because you just haven't seen it yet. When did did you feel at any point you noticed that you're like, okay, this team is kind of if they yeah, don't get there, it done, it's kind of their fault, not someone else's fault. Like, did you feel like they were? Was there a time were, you knew? Was yeah. there a time you knew? I want to say there was a time I knew in the regular season because there were like stretches where they were playing at a really high level, and it all finally made sense because like the previous runs there have been no questions about their offensive firepower, you know, Jamal MPJ Joker, no questions asked, but defensively, they just didn't have the pieces. Like Michael Porter jr. Got played off the court at times by the Clippers in, I believe the bubble and probably even the jazz in the bubble. And then the Suns a couple of years ago, they just couldn't have them out there. Um, But then Calvin Booth, first year GM went out, trades for Contavious Caldwell Pope and signs Bruce Brown on the second day of free agency. And those were the two guys where it was just like, oh, okay. They finally have, this team finally makes sense on both ends. You know, Aaron Gordon's been great since he got traded to Denver, but he was kind of asked to do too much offensively in, in the two runs where Jamal was out. Um, And then there was this stretch late in the regular season this year where they beat Memphis pretty soon after the all-star break and they're up like seven and a half games on everybody else in the Western conference. And they just completely took their foot off the pedal. And like, you could see it most on the defensive end. And so kind of late in the regular season, it was just like, does the, does the switch exist? And do these guys have the ability to flip it? And it was just kind of like some days I would be like, Oh yeah, these guys have the switch. They can find it. And then they go like, have to eke out a win in Detroit in April, like final 10 games of the regular season. It's like, yeah, this is pretty concerning. Um, But I would say it finally clicked like for sure during that Phoenix series where it was like, they needed two historic offensive games from Devin Booker and, and really solid games from Kevin Durant to even take two games off the nuggets. Cause I'll admit going into that series, um, Maybe I put too much stock on the Chris Paul pick and roll stuff that that just gave the Nuggets nightmares in uh, what was that 2021? I was just I, I thought Phoenix was going to win in six games, um, but as soon as that prediction went out the window, you know I thought they were the better team than the Lakers, and then 
in the finals, I, you know, I think that was just a really tough matchup for the heat in terms of the size, the nuggets were able to play with. Um, so yeah, once they got past the Suns and, and winning that game six in Phoenix in emphatic fashion, I thought that was probably the the toughest test they were going to get on the way to the championship. Yeah, I think I think I I think game one of the LA series did it for me. That because I because I, I, I think what LeBron and AD went for like sixty close to yeah. seven. I think they were at six, close to seventy points on crazy efficiency. And and I don't think it was. I think they won by double digits, right? Or yeah, they rubbed double digits the whole time. And they won by yeah, like but, six. But yeah, that, L.A. came. The reason why I said game two earlier is because L.A. came back at the end of that game, and okay. people thought that L.A. had right. an answer. Yeah, they were like, Rui, right, LA, Rui, 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 Rui was going to come in and save the day, uh-huh. and, and and so game two when the Nuggets kind of said no, that's that's not happening. We can make adjustments I, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I thought no, we saw we fun. saw the film as well. We got it. We're okay. That, that was I a nice that little wrinkle, but yeah, that yeah, that's a, yeah, I, yeah. That was a good one too. But yeah, game one, like because I'm like, you're not gonna get. I don't think you're getting four because you Lakers lost that one, so they need four more of those games from LeBron and AD to win the series. I think, and you already blew one of them. So like that that to me was like I don't know who stopped Denver if sixty plus from LeBron and AD. Plus, I think Reeves had like 20-something, too, in that game. It was like, so I don't know. That was basically everything working for the Lakers, and they chased a double-digit lead the whole – a deficit the whole game. I'm like, I don't think Denver's getting stopped because that that was a statement game for the Lakers. I thought that was their A game, and it wasn't enough. I'm like, okay, well, they're not – the Lakers aren't stopping them. And I don't think anybody – Boston and Miami were the teams left in the East, and no offense, Jordan. I didn't think Boston was going to was, – was the team that was going to stop them either. So that game one for LA was like, let's not do this yet. Listen, I'm just saying game one of the Western conference finals convinced me that Denver was winning the title. Unless they, unless their level of play dropped. Bruce Brown is from Boston. He's a champion. He's going to bring the Larry O'Brien back to Dorchester. It's going to be a dot. So always find some way to keep Boston title. Anyway, since you did want to bring some hate on the Celtics this early in the pod, but continue on the story of the Denver nuggets, the NBA champions. That was. Hey. I'm just saying, game one of Western Conference was the one that convinced me. So I don't know how Vinny. I'm with John. I'm with John. I'm with game John. Two. On game two. It was game two because okay. I, I thought you believed like, in Rui. The momentum. Huh? The, the momentum. <laughs> uh, it, I, if I remember correctly, uh, I think Austin Reeves scored like the last eight points of the game or something stupid. So yeah. no, yeah, and I was like, wait, maybe they're onto something here. Just the role guys, because that's how, that's what you need in the playoffs. The role guys to go crazy, yeah. and then. Like now we have KCP, we have the guy who helped you guys actually win the championship, and he's just gonna hit three threes in a game. Uh, so yeah, no, they that's when I knew I was like, oh, if they can't catch momentum off that second half, and they're for real. And that's when I was like, yeah, this is, should be a Denver Boston finals, but it wasn't. Yeah. Vinny, did their swagger catch you like make you raise an eyebrow a little bit? The because it, it, it was almost like they hurt, they they responded to every narrative that was being spun. You know, like Michael Malone, yeah. players. It just felt like everything that they thought was gonna change the trajectory of their playoff run, they responded to all of it, which isn't usually how it goes. You know, usually you're just like you kind of um give a canned answer where it's like, Yeah, well, you know, we're just gonna do what we do, yada yada yada. But it was like, you know, we it was almost like they they played into all of that as a challenge. Like, okay, if you think Rui Hachimura is the 
is the is the wild card for Joker. By all means, play it, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, like did were you did it make you raise an eyebrow a little bit? How how game they seem to be in terms of challenging these narratives that were being put out there as they went along. Yeah, and it's weird because like the Nuggets might they might not be the only team where the swagger almost comes from the head coach more than anyone else. Because like seriously, yeah, Michael Malone was was salty about the notion that um, the the Rui Hachimura adjustment was was probably the most notable part where he's just like the Lakers weren't the first team to put a a power forward on Joker and have their traditional center on the other side of the lane waiting to offer help. Like Philadelphia did it in the, in the big game where the MVP narrative took a turn towards Embiid when he dropped 50 on Joker, but Mm -hmm. they had uh, PJ Tucker guarding Nicola for most of the second half of that game. Minnesota did it at times in the the first round with Kyle Anderson. Um, Yeah, and then Nikola is like – doesn't pay any mind to any of like – or hasn't paid any mind to any of the national narrative for a long time, but the the MVP debate I think finally got to him this year a bit um, and frustrated him. Jamal Murray's chip on his shoulder was that people just consider him – Bubble Murray, like like that performance was a one-off or an anomaly. And he, it was definitely a, a point for him that he wanted to come out and say, you know, I'm, I'm just one of these guys who who has the ability to regularly raise my level in the playoffs. Um, so they all had their little individual things they were um, fighting against. Like Michael Malone's job is something that's been speculated a, a lot locally in the last couple of seasons. If he was actually the guy who could get them to this level or, or what – what the Nuggets needed to do to to save his job this season. And so in the lean times this year, it was a lot of if they don't make it to the finals, he's got to go. So they all had their own little things that were motivating him. And but yeah, it was a little eye-opening to see them Malone more than anybody else kind of lean into that over this playoff run. So historically speaking now, because now that you know Joker is a two-time MVP and a champion and a finals MVP, and you know, I do think Jamal Murray still gets a little bit of the, you know, is he kind of a superstar question, right? Like, because you don't usually have two. You usually have, you know, the alpha, and then, like, there's really, you know, another, your number two is usually your difference maker, but he's not necessarily on that level. But there were times, especially when Joker would be subbed out, where as you're going through this playoff run, you feel like that's the moment where Denver, where you, where you question what Denver's got, right? Like if when can, what do they do in the non Joker minutes when he's on the bench? Like how, how, how much does the game flip? And it felt like as you're watching the playoff run, you're, you're seeing a lot of times where they'll put, they'll put, they'll give Joker his rest and they'll let Jamal, you know, run the show and facilitate and turn into kind of like a, a playmaker as opposed to an off the ball scorer. Right. And then even when they're in the fourth quarters and they're trying to put teams away, you see him play the two-man game where Jamal can make decisions out of the ball screen or he can play with Joker, like or he can play off Joker. Um, so the question about is first about Jamal. How much of his status in the league, how much how much did he ascend in this playoff run? Do you feel like he's now um close to, if not uh in that superstar category now when you think about guys who can be dynamic playmakers with the ball, off the ball, and be difference makers in crunch time and, and carry you to, 
you know, these situations where you're playing for championships in multiple years. Yeah, the superstar question is an, an interesting one because I don't even I don't really know where we draw the line. What's a superstar? Exactly. You know, yeah. How many how many guys specifically we're talking about? But um, I think he's certainly you know he's a guy never been an all star, never been an all NBA guy, and I think this run is going to help him at least get some respect or, or some momentum to be an all star next year. He's also a guy who's typically started regular seasons, maybe not slowly but inconsistently. And like, it's hard to be an all-star if you don't start the season well, because there's a, you know, such a small sample size when it comes time to vote or whatever. Um, but one thing I think we've seen Jamal grow, especially from the bubble, is the ability to kind of be more of a traditional point guard to impact the game, even when his shot's not falling. Because the bubble run, it was like, okay, yeah, you put up 50 on back-to-back nights. Um, I, I'd be curious to see if he had you know, five plus assists in either of those games. Um, Cause this year it was like game five on Monday night shots, not falling early. He still managed to get eight rebounds and eight assists. He had a triple double in the finals. I think if I remember correctly, so he's, he's kind of come back. I think maybe a more cerebral point guard where early in his career, it was almost just a lot of vibes. Like I'm on a heater, let me cook. And you know, that's how you get to the 50 point games in the bubble. But now he's, he's kind of, broadened his ability and then to your point like he's almost got three different roles like there's the starting point guard who kind of gets the team into the game there's he almost takes on like a the microwave scorer with the bench unit where it's kind of asking him to do like a Jamal Crawford impression you know as, as the typical six man who's taking on a lot of the scoring load with with the rest of the bench unit and then end of game they're just relying so reliant on that Jamal Joker two-man game that it's like that's their closing time move is give them the ball, let them run a pick and roll. If if Aaron Gordon ends up open in the dunker or MPJ's in the corner alone, then those guys get the ball. But for the most part, it's just spamming two man game at the end. Right, right. Okay, so for uh, for Jordan and John, this is the this is where we get into like the very surface level hot takey question. Um, but playing off of uh, Vinny's insight there. Would you today take Jamal Murray? Because I think this is going to accentuate whether we have this conversation oh, about God, whether he's a superstar or not. Would you take Jamal Murray or Stephen Curry for the next five to ten? Oh my God! Today, uh, Jamal's what, what twenty six. Jamal's twenty six. Right? Are we trying to win? Are we trying to win championships? Of course. Or, That's always yeah. The goal is always championships. Yep. So basically, we're trying to project what Murray is. From this day going forward, would you take Steph Curry the rest of his career? I think he's thirty four, about to be thirty five. John, I think um, I think you put that in a great way. I think you put that in that. That was a very if I want to sell tickets, I'm getting Steph Curry. But <laughs> okay. I, mean, I don't know how many NBA teams are thinking like that now. You know, yeah. like that's a little bit of an arcade. I was actually going to say. Approach. I was going to say. I was going to actually say the opposite. That's crazy. I was going to say if I want to win a championship, I'm going to go with the dude who's got multiple. Wow, but still, really, I was, but yeah, definitely, definitely, okay. and the, the, he's got more power and influence in the NBA. If I'm going to go there, but then I think, and and he'll figure out a way to like put players around him in that position. Yeah, I don't think Jamal Murray. I don't think Jamal Murray is in the same type of position Steph is in, where he could control as many free agents and type of like just situations and mm-hmm. has the influence in the upstairs level to do that. 
But I think if you're trying to sell tickets, I'm like, Jamal Murray has caught a stride. And especially after coming off the injuries he's come off, being able to pull off a championship, I have the utmost reason to believe he's going to be like just he he dominated ball screen play in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. He played. He dominated the way used ball screens and just facilitated an offense in the playoffs. And even when his shot was off, he was still able to figure some things out. Like it was. It was a master. It was a master class. Like he, he, he did a lot. So I don't know. I think that sells the tickets. But mm. so you guys have uh, a different answer for different reasons. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think that the casual sports fan even knows who Jamal Murray is. Correct. I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I would think the casual NBA fan does, but definitely not casual yep. sports. Yeah, definitely now casual but sports fan. Fan doesn't. But I, know, but I th- but I think in in the city, if you're in Denver, I think you know Jamal Murray because I think he sells tickets in Denver. Yeah, for sure. Because you win. Because you, you win. Yeah. Oh, Jamal affects the game in a lot of different ways, man. Yeah. So I I and he his his you know the ball screen is is like that is the NBA right? Like you can't yeah. if you have a if you have a dynamic ball screen game. And a guy who can control it the way he does and see it and make the right reads, like, just elevates you. And like Vinny said, that that, that, that was just – that's how they close out games. In baseball, you and, bring in your closer. <laughs> and, and, and for Denver, it was like ball screens. Yeah. You can't my, stop it. My thing is – my thing is – and this is no disrespect to Joker because I think he's an all-time great. I don't think it's – I don't think it's disputable either. Um, even though people do try for, you know, it gets it gets ratings when you try to diminish what he's what he's already done. Um, but I think he needs Jamal Murray. Like I, I, I think we've seen him try to like carry the team to that that point that pedestal, and there's always been a there's always been a wall, you know. And that's not to disparage Joker, but it's just like there's so much. When you have a five man that is your point of attack, there's only so much that can happen if you don't have another dynamic ball handling playmaker. You know what I mean? Because there are ways you can there are ways you can like offset that impact. And that's not to diminish Joker. It's just like that's what has happened. So I think no. this run, this run to the title has been less about like joker because he's been doing what he does now for multiple years this is just his level now and more about the level jamal murray in my opinion raised his game too and so that's why when i look at it i think when you look at his skill set and his body of work now the challenge for him is going to be can you replicate it because like that's always the thing like you can do it once but once we see you do it then we kind of like raise our intensity level to stop you from doing it that's what happens with dynasties like can you do it multiple times for me i think he can that's the i think the proof is now in the pudding that he has that ability um and and i would take him even though i think steph is an all-time i have him in my top five all time i think from this day going forward i would take jamal murray because i think jamal murray's ascension is still happening and this level that he was at in this in this finals, I think is a is is a, a big reason why Denver won it. And I, I I don't have any qualms with Joker winning Finals MVP, but if you gave him Co, 
I would not have batted an eye. That's how good I thought Jamal Murray was, especially in winning time. Um, so yeah, that's I, I would take Jamal from this day forward over Steph, and I think that's kind of. I'm curious to see what kind of narrative attaches itself to Jamal Murray's career based on that. Um, next question for Vinny, last one on the Nuggets, uh, is is your perspective, your point of view on how good Joker is historically. Like, we have two MVPs now, probably should be three, right? Um, you could have gone, it was like coin flip, basically, for those two this year. So there's there's probably going, he's probably, he's probably hasn't won his last MVP, Um and now he's got a finals MVP and he's got a dominant playoff run where, um, you know, he was just unstoppable and putting up numbers that we haven't seen in, in 50 years. What's, what's the historical significance of what Nikola Jokic has done in this playoff run to add a different accolade to an already illustrious career? Yeah, it's been a while. Just I, I, there was the stat, like, is he the first player ever to, lead the entire playoffs in total points, rebounds, and assists. Yep. Um, and, and he makes it hard to to characterize him in a national or in, in an all-time perspective just because, like, you don't see many point centers. Like, right to compare – like, I don't know how you compare him to Shaq. Like, they're so different players and go about it different ways. It's hard for me to say, like, he should be above or below – um, makes it difficult. But one thing that I think gets slept on in terms of Joker, and, and this all, hasn't always been the case, but like he was really pretty good defensively throughout these yes. playoffs. Like yep. not not as the, you know, vertical leaping rim protector, but from a positional standpoint and even like his ability, like his ability to get deflections and kick balls, like it's a weird thing, but just to have the ability to, allow the defense to reset after a kickball or, you know, just be in the right place so that, you know, Jimmy Butler sees an extra really big body on his way to the basket. Um, I think kind of went underappreciated this year, but yeah, he's now one of 11 players to have multiple regular season MVPs and a finals MVP. And he's done it in three straight years. And so I think there's probably even fewer guys that can say they've had a run like that. And I think it ultimately comes down to, how long he wants to play because he he looks at basketball as a job. Like I think he enjoys it to a level, but it's not like he has this like all encompassing passion for basketball where nothing else matters. Like we see from, from some of the other all-time greats that we love to prop up, you know, their, their desire and will to be the best. Like I think he like enjoys basketball, but it's not, I wouldn't be shocked if three years from now, he's like, I've really enjoyed this. I'm going to go hang out with my horses and family in Serbia. Like you guys can have the NBA. I'll, I'll be good. And then we just won't ever hear from him again. What do you think drives him? I was going to ask, I sorry to interrupt Matt, but I was like, yeah. is that a front? Is that how he really, because that's the vibe that he projects mm-hmm. that basketball isn't the end all be all, but like, how can you be that great? And it not yeah. be, and play Candy Crush in the locker room, man. That, that's, the, that's the part that kills me. My man be playing Candy Crush at halftime. If I ever seen that, I don't even know. Like, and he goes and kills after. I, I still, yeah. I'm sorry. Not that's not, it's just not fair, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, 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 it might be a mechanism of, of points to, 
to decrease pressure or something. Cause there's that clip from game three or from the third quarter of game five during a timeout where he is just going nuts on the bench. Yeah. Like he said, yeah. he was frustrated that his team was just, you know, in that close of a game that they were just taking so many threes in a game where they hadn't shot it well. Um, you know, he wants them to get to the basket, get easier buckets or whatever, but like, you don't have that level of passion if you're truly not about basketball, but like you look up the photos of him when he's in his carriage cart riding behind one of his horses in Serbia. And it's like, you don't get a smile that genuine from him. <laughs> Even after they won the championship, he was just like, yeah, yeah it's good. The, the job is done. Um, so yeah, it might be a little overstated how, how little, I don't want to say how little he cares about basketball, but how much of his own self-worth maybe he, he puts into chalks it, yeah. up to basketball and how right. much of it is family and, horses like the man loves horses that is that is one thing that is not up for debate yeah it's a he's gonna it's a very interesting he's a very interesting superstar because it it, it it is like you said you wouldn't necessarily be surprised if 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 he won one or more or two more and said uh yeah i kind of don't really have anything left to do you know so let me try something else you know um or go about a different way. It would it wouldn't I don't think it would I don't think it would shock people because I don't think people especially when you think about the national narrative it feels like this is really weird to say but it feels like superstars in sports are very cookie cutter. You know, we kind of we know what they're about, we know what drives them, we understand ring culture, we get all that like we understand the arguments that drive the narratives that push these guys um and usually it's two things, right? It's either money or, or championships. Like that's usually what we end up tying to like these guys and watching them with like, it's almost like, what's that? What are those like um, hot wheels? Like you just wind them up and watch them go. Like those are the two narratives you, <laughs> you choose, right? Money championships. Which one do you want more um, with him? I don't know if either one of those is, is the right way to go about thinking about his career because uh I don't know. I just he doesn't seem like one of the dudes who would be driven to be the richest, the wealthiest basketball player of all time or the most successful. Either I just feel like basketball is something that he knows he's good at and he tries to do it well, but not to the point where it consumes his entire existence, right? Like that's probably what it is about him. Yeah, I think it's most it's it's definitely more championships than it is money or individual acclaim. Um, but yeah, I mean, this all means something to him. Like you look at who he was early in his career, like not in the best shape. He could have just coasted and been an average guy. Yeah, or even above average. He was on pace to be well above average, I think, even as a rookie. But then he's made the point to, you know he eats better now than he did before and is physically in condition to where he can play 44 minutes of a playoff game at a pretty high level. So he, he certainly has put the work in and I don't mean to make it sound like he just rolls out of bed, picks up a basketball and then is just like, Oh, double teams coming from here. Let me spray a cross court pass with my weak hand to the corner. Like the work does go into it and he's developed a lot of different skills. I think since he's been in the NBA, but He's a different guy, and I think that it is kind of what allows the Nuggets to be successful because for so many teams, the number one guy is always the alpha. And yeah. it's just like the Nuggets can allow Jamal Murray to be the alpha, you know, 
he's not from a like a leadership standpoint and, and the guy who snarls at opponents when he gets it going and then mm-hmm. Nicola can just kind of play his game but yeah I think championships more than anything or, or team success kind of is what motivates him but certainly not celebrity or, or money yeah so last question for you on the nuggets uh will he be at the parade tomorrow <laughs> yeah he's got to be because uh that was he wanted to get home <laughs> He he's got to be, but yeah. Uh, Monday night, he he looked over to Nuggets PR. And he's like, "When is the parade?" And he told him Thursday. And he's like, "No, no, I have to go home. I have to go because uh, there because there are horse races on Sunday in Serbia." Oh, okay, I see. Um, yeah. So then I think he went on NBA TV and lobbied Josh Kroenke of the Nuggets ownership family uh, for use of his private plane and, and put pressure on him that way so Nicola can get home for his horse races. Uh, so yeah, he's going to be at the parade. And I think Josh Kroenke probably owes him a transatlantic flight on his private jet so he can get his horse racing into. Nice. Are you covering the parade too? How do you, how do you do that? What, what, what do you, are you on the team bus or like, do you have to follow it in your own car? Like, how do you No, They're not putting us on the bus. So I'm going to get a lift downtown and I'm just going to walk and get as close to the stage as I can. And Mm. maybe I pick off a player or two on the way, if they've had enough champagne and want to, want to give me a few minutes of their time i'll take it but otherwise i'll just i'll just write the scene i guess yeah nice well okay I, I, matt you yo, started but you started this whole thing this podcast uh comparing the rise of creighton to the rise of denver get him and and no 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 i'm not i'm not getting i'm not getting it i just <laughs> want to bring up the the coincidental fact that denver in 2016 Oh, here we go. Held its training camp on Creighton's <laughs> campus in the championship center. What's the significance of that? You know, you know it's it's Obviously. creepy because I was I was gonna talk. I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw what I put on Twitter, but it is creepy. The no, I didn't. Oh, we have to Did talk off. It? off. There's okay. it's too it's too much to list now. It's it's very eerie. Um, no, but, but there just are to there are some before. seriously weird coincidences going on that tie Denver and Creighton together at the moment. So I'm not saying Creighton's on like natty trajectory, but I'm not saying they're not either because if you, if, if there's too many coincidences in this timeline that have existed now, and now we've seen enough Marvel movies to know that there's a multiverse, it, you know, it gets in your brain a little bit and you're like, maybe there is maybe, maybe, maybe we're living in a little bit of a simulation where, there are forces that do know the ending here a little bit. And yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it is kind of funny. It was, it was, I'll tell you what that scene was like. And I know John, you probably agree and scurry. Like you were in the gym, like you got to watch them do their thing. Um, It was weird watching like NBA players walking around like campus. Like I remember, I remember going to like men's soccer practice or whatever and like there was like I think like was Wilson Chandler on that squad still? Wilson yeah. Chandler. I remember like Wilson Reed, Chandler and Emmanuel, some other dude. Or seriously, Moutier. like they were just like hanging out at Morrison, like two just gigantic human beings in yellow and baby blue, powder blue, like standing on the top of the hill. It was not like a typical. You're like, oh, that sticks out like a sort. What, what, oh yeah, there's the Nuggets are here. Like it was just weird seeing NBA players just constantly around. No. And and I would say the one thing, the significance, I guess, for me, even at that time, and just seeing the players on that team was 
even like because we, if we're talking about Jokic, right? Like it was even seeing him in the weight room, like because you know me, I spent all my I love the weight room in my time. So I was in there a lot, especially when Holster. they were in there. Because I'm like, I'm trying. You remember? Come on, I'm trying to yeah. find there. No, I do. I'm trying to be in there and pick Desmond their, Bain their strength. No, but I was in there like Kenneth Reed. I'm trying to pick their strength coach's brain, being like, mm-hmm. all right, what, what kind of what kind of protein can I get? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So. But no, just I um, to be real, like seeing Jokic like in the weight room then in the exercise he was doing, I didn't know who he was then. I didn't think he would be good on that team. Remember they had they had Yusuf Nurkic still. I wasn't mm-hmm. even sure he was the best big on that team at the time. Like yeah. I didn't, I, no idea. And then for him, just but like I think I'm just trying to highlight like being in the weight room, seeing the work he would do. Very similar to even just what you would see on TV where he does all the BAM work and like he's in tremendous shape. That's the thing I think we don't talk about enough because he's, like, just built the way he is. But I think for me, it's just the way – I feel like, especially with today's game and, like, the comparison is – because what I felt a lot at Creighton even was when you play such a high level of basketball, it's, like, certain guys just know how to move. Like, it, I don't know how else to put it other than, like, they just know how to move their bodies, like, on a court and facilitate, like, in a way that is just very basketball-like. And I think just as a – Hooper, like, when I watch Jokic, like, people don't say he's, like, a hooper, so to speak, right? He's a basketball player. But I watch him, and I'm like, just some of these movements, man, like, no one's doing that. No one can do that. Like, I've never seen it. So, I don't know. I've enjoyed watching it. It's been it's been crazy just even seeing how far it's come since that time. It is pretty wild. And that, that, I, remember, funny because... I remember uh, some of the Creighton players talking about how fast it was like the next level watching the practices. And I remember uh, someone, someone said something about Denver's players actually talking a lot more than they thought. Yeah, They, were. they remember oh, like the man. loudest practice they had, they've ever. They yeah. had, hey, shout out. This is how crazy things come full circle. They had Mike Miller on that squad. Oh right? yeah. I was about to bring up Mike Miller. Mike, because... Mike Miller was talking more than anyone on that squad in the gym, just going crazy. Talking about, I'm not old yet. I'm not old yet going crazy in the open gym. Yeah, man. That was that was a cool I, experience to have. I remember there. after one practice, like some guys are getting stretched out and some guys are doing a couple interviews and Miller Mike Miller's just sitting in the corner, like not move like his his feet are coming off the ground like six inches, but he's just burying threes. Like went like yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ball's the not other, hitting the rim. It's that's like, the other thing that's crazy about the NBA. Seriously. Yeah. And you're like, this I, dude's been in the league for like 17 years and he's still doing it. Well, however long, whatever dude, year he was at that time. I, uh, when the Bulls were, uh, scrimmaging the Mavericks in Lincoln, um, they, we had like the open media session. Basically, you just walk up to a player and start talking to him or whatever. And, um, I don't know. I was just feeling daring that day, so I was like, "I'm gonna go interview Dirk." Because at that t- here, you know, it, I'm not like it's. I'm weird. Like this is like total Creighton guy right here, but like Fabian Herbers and Timo uh, Pitter were still on the men's soccer team. So I literally was like, you know what? I'm gonna ask Dirk about these German dudes and like tell them they're killing at Creighton and be like, see how much like, see if he gives a shit. <laughs> he actually gave me a pretty good quote. Um, but I was I had to like wait for him to get done with his he was just uh he was getting shots up after practice or whatever I had to wait for him to get done before talking to him I like didn't even hit rim man like 
It was unbelievable. It was like a machine. No, it was like same thing. It was just like rainbow threes, like wet, 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 wet. wet. I swear, I lost count. Like he just would not miss. You know when you shoot, right? It's like you shoot like you know, like you scrimmage, and then after it's dead ball, and then you go back. Balls, everyone just you shoot. Like if you make it, you know, kick the ball back out. Whoever keeps. Jamal, I've seen, I saw Jamal Murray make 13 in a row. And the dude, Kenneth Reed got the rebound and was like, threw it to the side. He was like, man, forget all, just stop throwing it. And he's not even going to, I was like, wow. Like he's, that's, that's when I was it's like, insane. Pros, it's pros, insane. Man. Pros, pros yeah. are mm-hmm. different breeds, man. It's crazy. They're the level that they're like, how much muscle memory goes into like being a professional basketball player? Like, he was it's, Jamal Murray hit the ball. He was like, "Y'all want it? Because I'm not gonna miss. Y'all want it? You know, I'm not. He's like, gonna really stop. Not, it's not like if, if, you're I'm, if I miss, get to stand all day. still and shoot, I'm not yeah. gonna miss. So <laughs> you guys. So in 2016, they had Jokic, they had Jamal Murray, they had Coach Malone. Yeah. Anybody else? I don't think anybody else like core group was there then, right? Like, mm, yeah, no. But those, but those three are kind of like the core, right? Of the right. That's kind of yeah, interesting. They've been around. They've been together that long. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, Will Barton. They moved off Will Barton, Gary Harris, and Monte Morris. Those were like the other – I don't even know if Monte – I don't think Monte was in the league yet. But... They they had Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah. yeah. Think right. about how far back that was. Wow. Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah. Let me rejog the memory there. Let's switch gears a little bit to, uh, to Creighton because I do want to uh... – I want to. I want to like rehash some things with Vinny. Like, I wonder what, like, what are some of your, your, I guess, predominant memories? Like the things that stick out in your mind that you that you have a hard time forgetting because they just pop in every now and then. You go, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, that stick with you now as you're covering, you know, high level NBA basketball. Like, do, how much of what you did covering the Jays, um, helped with transitioning into covering an NBA team, especially one that this is this good. Yeah, it was a huge benefit. Just like seeing Doug was obviously one thing, you know, who he was as a freshman and then who he became as a senior. And then that that was a really good introduction into, okay, just because this guy's the national player of the year scores more than 3000 points in college, which is something that still like blows my mind. Like when I'm looking at, you know, when the Nuggets will have their draft workouts in previous years, we'll get these little pamphlets like summing up all these guys' college careers. And it's just like, you can be a really good four-year player at, at some of these schools. And like, you know, 2,000 points is a huge deal. Yeah. And then yeah. like to to put it in the context of, oh, I had a pretty good seat to watch Doug just eviscerate people for four years of college and amass that many points. But then that also informed watching him become who he was in the NBA in terms of like, okay, he's got to put himself in in really great physical condition because he's going to need to run baseline to, or, you know, sideline to sideline along the baseline off screens, set his feet and be able to be a 40 plus percent three point shooter while he's sprinting around pin downs or all, you know, these different actions. Um, and so that, that kind of informed what it, what it takes to be an NBA player and like, some of the like Contavious Caldwell Pope just plays his role on the Nuggets, but you get him in an open gym setting, and it's just like, oh, I didn't know you could handle like this. And like, 
you know, he's he's oh. putting down, you know, reverse windmills off the bounce. And yeah. it's like something you'd never see in an NBA game, but you see it outside of it. And you're just like, dude, these guys, like to Jordan's previous point, pros are just like entirely different level. Um, but ju- just What's being a Brian Scalabrini quote. What's the Brian Scalabrini quote? I'm closer to LeBron than you are to me. Like with yeah. just talking to like average people, like. 100 you know, true. Uh, no, yeah. Oh, so yeah. now, now you're a Celtics fan. That's, well, that's listen, funny. I'm just that's saying. Funny. That's, that's so funny how into... you do this. This is so funny how you do this to me. I'm so glad we. <laughs> I don't think he was a Celtic when he you. said that, but you know, I think he was retired. Why, why is yeah, Brian? A... Why is why is Brian Scalabrini always the barometer of like uh... <laughs> comparison to the <laughs> average dude? Because yeah, yeah, I think he's the most average. That's what people's comparison mm-hmm. to the most average NBA player of all yeah. time is. When like, it's which like, which yeah, one? No, like, if I were to grab, so if I were to see someone on the playground, which which NBA player could I get? And it's like probably Brian Scalabrini. Right, and then he then he tore. Brian Scalabrini was the white dude that everyone convinced themselves they could beat in the NBA for the longest period of time. Pretty much. So that's pretty why. Much. That's why he's the barometer. Yep. Yeah. He yeah. he did lean into it too. You know. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so top. What, what are your uh, what are your top three? Like, do you have a top three Creighton games you've covered in that still that you can that you could probably, if you were to sit down and try to like remember them vividly or watch them back, you could remember moments about them. Definitely, Doug surpassing three thousand points on senior night. Yep. Um, that one that was the first one to come to mind. Uh, Final Valley Championship game against Wichita State. I think that's one. That's top one. Grant hit a couple threes. I I don't know why that was the one thing that came to mind. And then uh, go back to the first year in the Big East. That New Year's Eve game, I believe it was against Marquette, where it was just yeah. like, oh, this is real. And like, they're in the Big East. There were like, so many questions yeah. about about if if Doug was going to be able to be the same. Same star against Big East opponents. Because Marquette was the preseason favorite that year. Yeah. They were then, they were the preseason favorites. I don't remember that game being necessarily close. No. And, and, I think it was I think they won by eight, but it wasn't close. Like it was one of the or they won no they won by nineteen, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think Marquette scored fifty. Yeah. And and so those, yeah. those were the first three that came to mind. Cause like I was I was with the people who, you know, had some questions about if if Doug was gonna be able to cook Big East defenders like he did Valley defenders. But then that one was just like a pretty eye-opening, like resounding. He's gonna be all right. He's okay. He's yeah. It turns out these skills translate to upper level basketball. Yeah, yeah. That that's that Marquette game is hard to forget. It's it's funny because I don't know as it's as it's gone along since. Gosh, it feels like every if you you know it's funny because too I think Creighton's fan base is different now too because I think Jordan like I bet you March seventh is like number one on everyone's mind i don't think and it's it's funny because i think people i it's no one talks about anything before that as much you know every every it was basically march 7th and then the only thing that gets referenced before march 7th 2020 is like doug mcdermott it's weird what they have like the fan base is very strange now i think it's It's an interesting timeline it is an interesting timeline but like march 7th was a is a day that's hard to forget because like the end i can't I don't think I've experienced an ener- energy in the building of a Creighton game before that's like similar or better or on that level. Like the minute Ty pinned Powell off the glass and DJ like yeah. dumped it in transition, the crowd went from like 
10 to a 15. And every bucket was a 15 the rest of the game. That was early. It was like 17-something left in the first half. But, like, it just felt like the energy in the building never came back down after that moment. And I've never been in a building that's been like that. Normally, Creighton crowds, like, are roller coasters. You know, like, there's ebb and flow to their energy. That one was the most sustained energy I've ever experienced for a Creighton game. So that's why it it lands up there with me. But I think everyone else... Like everyone else had an out of body experience that night to the point where they don't ever talk about anything before that. It's funny because that year had a lot of those moments, you know. So, where Creighton is now, Vinny, you were there at the start of it. Mm -hmm. 2013, that was the first year in the Big East. That was 10 years ago. I mean, I don't know if you were thinking, projecting at all, like how Creighton was going to survive in this conference or what it would do but like you know the Doug year was great and there were a lot of you mentioned those moments those are amazing but what did you think was possible what did you think was likely for this program I mean there's there's without question Creighton's exceeded expectation like I can't imagine anyone would have drawn this up but I wonder well maybe what did you what did you think yeah, no, I, 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 if I told you, yeah, they're going to make the sweet 16 in the next 10 years, maybe something like that. But like to be at the point where you're a controversial call away from maybe going to the final four, like, I don't know if I think they ever would have reached that level. Cause it was obvious, like that first year in the big East, it was obvious that they tried to do some things differently recruiting wise to, to upgrade the athleticism on the roster, maybe get some guys who could, you know, be more switchable defensively. And like you saw some of that early, um, but I think what's been most impressive about it is how they've kind of blended increasing the athleticism in their national recruiting profile with still managing to like hold on to some of the stuff from the Missouri Valley team. Like they still really prioritize shooting in an age where like, I think you see some Big East teams where it's like, eh, forget about shooting. You know, we can, we can win this game 60 to 56. We're, we're happy. Um, the way that Mac's been able to blend like, still prioritizing a high level of skill ability while infusing uh, some much needed, you know, size and athleticism to the roster, I think is, is probably something that's, uh, you know, easier to, to say is going to happen than, than to actually put into practice. So, yeah, I think they've absolutely exceeded expectations. And I feel like a lot of people felt like that, you know, Doug's senior year was going to be one thing. And then this team is going to be a perennial, you know, eight, seed in, in the Big East Conference tournament and it's like the ability to like there's been a, a lean year or two but they haven't been bad I wouldn't say in any any one season and I, I probably would have predicted that goes the other way back then so Vinny because you were in Denver watching you know them go to a Sweet 16 you know which is weird because it felt like the Sweet 16 last year was like not uh it wasn't like the barrier that had the pressure to cross it. You know what I mean? It felt like they had, it felt like the sweet 16 was like, yeah, you, you're a top 16 team. You should be in the sweet 16. Like once they did that, was it weird being in San Antonio in 2014 and watching how that transpired versus watching like Nemhard go for 30 and like Baylor chasing a double digit lead the whole time and Creighton basically Farabello hitting corner threes to rip them, like pull away and like felt like a, Creighton home game at some, at certain stanzas. Like, what's the – did you find yourself, like, trying to 
draw comparisons between that timeline and this one as you were as you were covering it yeah i did try just because it was like about the only thing i could do you know because like i still watch a lot of creighton basketball but but covering an nba team like you know sometimes if creighton's playing a big game i'll have it on my computer screen and i'll pull it up during timeouts while while i'm in the arena in denver or on the road um but i can't say that i you know i watch every game by any means but the one thing that stood out, and it was actually the the first round game against NC State here in Denver, and then made me reflect back on the 2014 team was when that 2014 team had an off shooting night like it did in in that Baylor game. Like there weren't many paths to victory. Right. This year, you see him go up against an NC State team that like they had some offensive firepower. Like they did a good job on Turk uh, in that game, but like they they managed to win that game even though shots weren't falling and it was like, that was something that was just like against that caliber and opponent, like the 2014 team needed to make shots to, yes. to survive. And and this team had just more paths to victory than that 2014 team. And yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a lot to take in when you're, you're that like up close in person. It's just like, there was no Kalkbrenner on that, uh, no. on that 2014 team. Right. Kalkbrenner was on Baylor at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it's kind of funny because, like, I think even Jordan's team has been morphed, like, because it felt like your team, um, developed defensive chops, but it's st- you still could see the path to victory was how well how well is Creighton shooting tonight? You know what I mean? And like that's it just feels like there's been a evolution of Creighton basketball where Let It Fly was the brand they used to, uh, I guess excite young talent to be like hey here's a style of basketball that will you know get you professional contracts and you know you'll play high level basketball along the way and we'll teach some principles that translate to that and then you look at the way that they've won the last two or three years where especially in john's last year covering the team they weren't they were like that was probably max worst offensive team other than the 2015 team right like across the board night in night out um that was more about how many stops were they getting as opposed to how many threes they were hitting um is it weird like to see that for john jordan vinnie like the the progression in terms of creighton's model of success like they still do branded as let it fly they still do recruit shooting they still do like to play you know space and pace and and like to let it rip but like their bread isn't necessarily buttered by that only strictly exclusively anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just for me, it's because you always hope it's like wherever you go. And I always thought like having the generation of guys like Doug who came before me, like that was even like the generation I would go back to in the summers who would always visit and just seeing that you always like hope it's like going to progress, I guess. And like, you want the best for the progression just of the program. Leave it better um, than you found it kind of thing. Exactly. And I yeah. think that's something obviously I've talked about extensively, like about how I wanted to always have some type of impact like that. But it's it's special when it's a place like that, that a lot of guys buy into that. And I think that's what you're saying in terms of like that play style of the let it fly definitely played into it. But I think it was also that it was, you saw so many guys that cared about not only the teams they were on, but what teams would come after them um, and what it would mean for the school. Because it just, in turn, makes 
all of our efforts just look better, I think, as time goes on because you just know you built something. And so, yeah, no, I think it was – I guess for me, you realize it when you're – you realize how many people just – like feed, like how many people realize how special it is is like really what the motivating factor is and i guess that's just what keeps you going so no it's cool to see i never i didn't think it would even happen this quick right i'm only even three years out and so it's like i never thought it would be this fast even where they were this consistent with getting to several sweet six i've been two they've been multiple sweet 16 since i've graduated which is crazy because i'm like Three years. That was so, always the thing. Yeah. Like you gotta go. Yeah, that was always the yeah. one. That, and that was yeah. always the model. So it's like it's nice to you know know you did leave something better than you were at when it was there. So it, it, it's encouraging. But yeah, no, I never thought it would even happen this this fast. But happy to be a part of it. You know, I felt like the turning point for the program was probably scary. Your junior year was that the year you guys yeah. made the NIT. Like that was midway through yep. that season, that like you guys could score. Like you put up ninety yeah. against Gonzaga. You know that team could score and get buckets. But eventually, it. I think you guys collectively realized like that's not. We can't just outscore teams. Yeah. And whether that was just hearing the message over and over again from Mac or being forced to do like dive on the floor drills and rebound drills, like eventually it sunk in. Uh, but it did sink in because at the end of the year. You guys got hot. You won like five games in a row, almost made it to the NCAA tournament, and you did it with defense. You were winning some games like with some grit, and then that kind of carried over into the next season, which was like a little bit of a slower start, but then Denzel got in the mix, and it was like boom. Exactly, Uh, and that's what it is, and that's what it was, because it's like that's what I mean. It was just – it was a collection of like – Got we finally had all our guys who were like re- so bought in. We had that year to be like, okay, we went through our struggles NIT, but then you get to a point where you're like, you have all the right personnel. You built everything up. You have the dudes. You have everything you need to accomplish. And that's why it was like, yeah, no, we we built it. It was something that we built, which is again what I feel is the com- biggest comparison to like the Nuggets this year. Is it was like, yeah, no, and we. We went th- through the all the way. We were in the tournament my sophomore year and then back to the NIT. And then we were like, okay, we've seen both sides of it now. We've already been able to figure out like where we are in this. And then you're just realistic going into it. And then when you add a player like Denzel, you have, you know, the experience you went through. That, yeah, no. So I agree. That was definitely the turning point. I think it also yeah. reinforces the notion that if you knock on that door enough, like eventually it's going to open, you know, yeah. and that's kind of what Max been doing like he's had different assistants different type different type of superstars different type of like you know sometimes the two guards been the best player on the floor sometimes it's been you know the four man sometimes it's the five like he's kind of one sometimes it's the point guard like you know he's kind of one with like different with different uh stars in different positions leading the way you know what i mean which is that's the kind of the the most fascinating part about creighton's trajectory is it hasn't just been Here's who Creighton is. Here's how they have to be successful. Here's what it needs to look like year in, year out. Um, it just seems like they're able to answer different questions as seasons go along, as teams get put together. And it it, it it just reinforces the idea that if you constantly put yourself in position to be in position, eventually you're going to cross barriers that you've never crossed before. You know, like 
you guys have never played for a Big East championship before, but you'd been like a top three team multiple times, you know, you'd finished high in the conference before. And then I think even that year, like the year that you guys won the league, like there were probably times where the pressure got to you a little bit and you didn't per- always perform up to that standard. But, you know, on that day where it was like win or lose, like this is for this, like, can we cross this barrier now? We do it. Like same thing with Sweet 16s, with second rounds. And I think now, like as they get into, you know, the Final Four conversation, like, yeah, that San Diego State loss stung. But at the same time, when, you know, when you're, when, when Mac is like in the locker room talking about the things that have been accomplished now are things that are going to make people that wore this jersey before you more proud than ever, as opposed to like disappointed that you fell short. That seems to like resonate. That seems to be more true. And I bet it's even true for, uh, you know, for you, Vinny, like, because you covered that team and you kind of saw its ceiling at the time you were covering them. And then now you fast forward to a different point in your life and they're in your city and you're covering them now. And you're watching like first and second round games that look entirely different than the first and second round games you were used to covering back then. And you're seeing like, this is a different, the jerseys are the same, the colors are the same, but like the way it's being done is different. And I'm, I'm, I bet you like everyone that's kind of been a part of Creighton's journey path, whatever you want to call it up to this point, through multiple years, decades, whatever, what, what, what have you, I bet you that kind of thing resonates more because it's tangible now. Like you see it has happened and it's not necessarily pie in the sky anymore, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Like I remember, what was it? The year after, the year at 2021, first Sweet 16 run. Yeah. Um. And one thing people know pretty quickly about me is that like Creighton basketball is like one of the sports I hold on to is like working in, in media has a way of draining you of your fandom, but like Creighton hoops is one thing I've held on to and like not letting go of. And so when I tell people like, Oh, I'm taking work off today. Cause this is Creighton's chance to make their first sweet 16. And they're all like looking at me shocked. Like Creighton's never made a sweet 16 before. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, it's never been done before. And they're like, like, they're going to go check their, you know, they're going to go check Wikipedia to make sure that I'm right. And I'm like, trust me, they've never made a sweet 16 before. Right. And then like a few years prior, you know, during the, during the Doug years, you tell people like, oh yeah, I went to Creighton. And it's like, if you're not in a, you know, 250 mile circle around Omaha or some part of the Midwest, you're liable to get a, uh, what's Creighton? Where's Creighton? you know, uh, you know, is this like a division two school or, you know, do you guys have sports? And then like, now it's like. Right. Now, different. now I go through the airport now with Crane here on, I get go Jays. So yeah, just to further your point. It, it's, it's just wild to, to see how much has changed. And, and like, now that I'm a little bit older, like 10 years, isn't the longest period of time, you know, like right. it takes, it takes things a lot longer to get to the point. Uh, where Creighton is now. So yeah, it's it's been incredible, incredibly fun to watch just the the national perception change. It's probably actually helped me on my job journey as well. But that's a you think so a tangent. Yeah. You and me both. You and me both. You we run both. a podcast. Not... Tangents tangents are what we do here. What, how do <laughs> yeah. You... <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is really interesting. Um let's let's talk a little bit of college world series. How many of you guys wait, 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 hold up. Oh, hold you're up. not the oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, 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 hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. 
Sorry. Uh-oh. You you asked Vinny to give his top threes. The Creighton game. Oh, do you guys want? Sorry, you want, like, oh, I'm offended. Oh, oh, sorry. Like, didn't say tangents are yeah. our thing here on Scurry and Scurry. I, think, but, I, I yeah, figured yeah, March seventh was the only game Scurry this remembered from. See, this is why. Game. This is like, why you bring. This is why you bring Johnny Atala on your podcast. Let him go. Okay. Let him go. He had to remind people. People are listening to this like, oh, man, John, like, it's been a minute, you know? Like, that's. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was about to. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I need I need to hear okay. Jordan Scurry's top three games that he was a oh, part me? of. Yeah. I'll give you mine, but I want to hear yours. Okay. Go, Jordan. That's What's easy. up? I've done it. So, it's March 7th. Yeah, March 7th easily. Obviously, that one. And then it was. The Wisconsin game my freshman year. That was fun. That was yeah, crazy. That's, pretty, that's the top one. And for then sure. the Nova game overtime. The one you guys lost that, in Philly? No, no I'm the one, saying the one. Oh, the one you won. Oh, the one where you started. beat the – Oh, yeah, yeah. That Nova game started. Ronnie didn't play. Okay, yeah, yeah. People don't talk about that game enough. That's my number one. See, I feel like you guys – Is it your number one? Really? Yeah. That was it's wow. an incredible performance. I feel like the games two people talk about the most are March 7th and then the time they beat, like, Brunson, Bridges, oh, even Chenzo, yeah. like, all of them. Really? Like, I, feel like, I don't hear oh, people yeah. talk about that at? 100. Oh, I, oh, dude. I must be talking Especially, to the well, wrong people. Because I talk to Skr all the time. Skr never, for like, he always talks about We were the last team to beat the greatest Nova team ever. Like, Yeah, yeah. greatest Nova. We, we beat... We beat them to a national championship. We Basically, beat, that's what he we says. Beat them to He's a like, we're the ones who made yeah. them. No, we, we literally... Gave them, we beat... Villanova, you. I've heard Jalen Brunson on podcast. I've heard Josh Hart on podcast. They said yeah. losing to Creighton hurt us. We come to Jesus. That us. was Jay we, Wright was in it, the CHI. It, we felt it, we took it personally. That's just direct mm. quote. Jaylen you know Brunson why they did though? You know why they did? Why they took it personally? Because they played well, and Creighton beat them when they played yeah. well. That's why that game sticks out to me is because like that. It Greg McDermott coached a great game. Guys, I mean, Marcus Foster Marcus, was incredible. Oh Marcus God. and Kyrie, like, I just With remember. Mitch, Davion, everybody played crazy. I know, but those game. two guys, yeah. Marcus and Kyrie, like, they played, mm-hmm. like, 43, 44 minutes or something mm-hmm. insane and, like, put it all out there. Like, Villanova tried to stomp on Creighton's throat, like, in the first four minutes, and Kyrie yeah. was answering everything. With Dude, Kyrie peace. versus Brunson to start that game is like right. an all-time Electric. like start to. They Electric. were just going back, like it was like right. they were just. I thought it was one-on-one for like five minutes, like they were just going at each other. It was crazy. So, and Creighton so was down. Feel, that's number one like, for you. Creighton was down eight with like four. I don't know four twenty. Yeah, I remember went zone. Yep, uh, got it. Got hit a couple shots. You have to mention, didn't Kyrie foul DiVincenzo like well, for the game? Yeah, for Creighton's game. up. Creighton's up. It was like one. The, it was like a repeat of Xavier. Yeah, yeah. Right. Creighton's up one. He fouls DiVincenzo and didn't need to. And DiVincenzo had a chance to win the game at and the line and missed him. Yeah, hit one and two. And yeah, Marcus drove in. Probably should have got. They like, should have called a whistle, but shoot, Creighton won in overtime. Anyway, that game was. That was number one. I mean, well, how about Mark? How about Marcus's pass late? How about Marcus's pass late that like skimmed Brunson's hands right to Mitch in the shooting pocket for the game tying three? Like that was like that was almost a pick six, and it's also Marcus Foster making the pass instead of the shot. Like you know what I mean? It's like that moment is like crazy right there. So yeah, that Villanova game has like multiple like unforgettable. Wait, 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 wait. What, What would Marcus Foster have said to Mitch Ballock, the freshman? 
if he missed that shot. Like Marcus Foster. Mm. Oh, I don't know. First right team now. all Big East. Gonna, guy. We'll have him back on. I'm gonna write that question down. Okay. Yeah, what would you said if he what would you said if you gave the ball up and he missed it? Yeah. Would you guys still be friends so, if he right? <laughs> okay, so what's your top? What's your top three, John? Like so that so that yeah, Villanova game is number one. That's interesting because you that, covered March seventh too. That's that's interesting. I know, and March seventh probably be number two. Um, yeah. You know what was a cool moment? That was I one of think... the best days of my life, man. Crazy. <laughs> March seventh. Disrespect that day, but anyway, hey, it's a good day. Um, that so the start of the. Creighton Villanova game in 2017 on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve or something. The game they were both undefeated. We were both undefeated. Yeah, yeah. The game was decent, but like Marcus Fo- or Mark or Mo Watson and Justin Patton both got into foul trouble foul in the trouble. first half, so it wasn't like as good of a game as it could have been. But I just remember the energy in the building was unreal like that's the so, that's the craziest pregame crowd i've ever yeah. seen for a creighton game like they had the hey. towels and the fans right, were in their seats for like 10 minutes they were ago. 20 minutes before tip yeah. off like yeah. it was full was like, what is this place Camp. yeah they had tents yeah. they had tents they had yeah tents. i've never seen anything like that since or before like i was like what is this who is here right now yeah i was like did they pay people like is there, was there like a the way they put out that like uh for actors or whatever like 13 <laughs> Thirteen dollars an hour to show up twenty minutes before a Creighton game and like fill the seats. Like there had to be something like that going on. <laughs> that was Jalen Brunson's. I've... That was Jalen Brunson's breakout game. Like that was like, oh, it was man, though. He's a bad boy. I was like, like I was like, <laughs> Mac, Mac, it you was the... want to stop? They were down early. I thought Creighton was going to stop them. Creighton was about to stomp them. Like it was two undefeated teams, top ten matchup. The crowd was like amped twenty minutes before tip, and then Creighton gets off to a crazy start too. And you're like, oh, dude, this is about to turn into twenty fourteen Nova all over again. And then Jalen Brunson's like, nah. Like, <laughs> really? You guys are gonna you guys are gonna go under the ball screen or you guys gonna sag twice? <laughs> I've never seen some I've never someone seen someone look at the whole bench before mm. he took a shot, disgust mm. and train two, three. I was like, oh god, man. Yeah, this yeah. Is, that was that was the last was that was the last day you could go under on Brunson. Um yeah. was he a freshman? No, that was his sophomore year. Sophomore, no, year. sophomore year. Yeah. I don't even want to. You want a natty as a freshman as a back. I can't even remember if you guys went under or not. Maybe you went over, but he no, was all, I know, all I know, all I know is, over, all I know is, like Zierden made a lot of threes yeah, that day. Yeah. Yeah. That was, right. it was, we, beat, we, we got revenge. I don't care. Okay. Then was tough. <laughs> he was tough that day. <laughs> we revenged that. We revenged that. Man, I don't know. I don't know what the third one is. I brought this up and I didn't even I didn't even think about it. How do you, it's you tough for me Wisconsin, to make a top three too? Not even Wisconsin. Wisconsin is crazy. I've never it felt so there. small in my life. Wisconsin. I was a little itty bitty freshman. That was like my first week of games mm. with fans at the shot. It was a clink at the time, CenturyLink Center, and I just remember when it was Marcus got the dunk. I never I. I was like, oh, and then Kyrie. It was the outlet. No, it was the outlet when, um, yeah, just Marie just the J- in the Kyrie. Uh, Maurice the like, JP. Oh. Yeah, right. Did he throw yeah. the full? It was like seventy footer. Didn't didn't Kyrie get one after? He got yeah. one right after. It was like yeah. Kyrie got yeah. That moment, I never, I never felt so small in my life. Yeah. Good times. College World Series. Oh, I mean, you, know what? Hey, your, you still got to give us wanna, three. What is it? Okay, here's well, my the most fun I had at the game was uh, that team, your freshman year, 
at St. John's. It was Justin Patton's kind of coming out party. He had already come out, but he, like he went crazy. He like did go crazy, and minutes. and the fans were talking crap. And I believe, like, I can't remember if some Marcus Foster was chirping with somebody, and Matt called a back door so Marcus could get a dunk. Bang and out. I was just like, that was cold, you know? Like Bang he was nasty. Yeah, yeah, it was because that was the game before where uh, Charlie Goldsmith, who's now the beat writer for the Cincinnati Reds. He was like, I think he was still at Northwestern at the time. So he was like, um, I don't know who he was writing for. I think it was like an SB Nation site or whatever. But he did a, he did like an um, an NBA evaluation of of Creighton for something. I'm not sure why, but it was like, you know, uh, it involved pro- NBA prospects, and he was uh, he got to Creighton, and like one of the things he said about Marcus Foster. And I follow him on I follow him for Reds coverage, so it's like it's it's I always think about it when I see him on my timeline. But like one of the things he said about Marcus Foster was that he had below the rim talent. Like he couldn't he wasn't like a a hopper, you know. And like I just remember Marcus. I remember like Twitter got a hold of it, and Marcus saw it, and like that St. John's game, and I think you guys went to DePaul after that, and he had a nasty. I mean, like he had a the body, the, the most ball. disgusting yeah. body. Like he got a poster bad on somebody, like I where, like he, I think he was like, and I think we, I even asked him, like maybe not that year, but a couple years later, because we had him on the pod, we talked about it. But like, did you like, did you, were you trying to like yam on as many people as you could after you saw that you had below the rim talent from somebody? He's like, oh god, yeah. Like he was like, he's like, I was so mad about that. Like I was trying to catch as many bodies as I could the next few games. It was like so Marcus yeah, yeah. Marcus Foster almost had the best dunk in Creighton history because he, he had a breakaway. Didn't he try didn't he try a, a 360 against in, on senior, wasn't that senior day? Was it senior it was night? either senior day or it was like really close to, it was that close he to tried the to windmill. He tried to, yeah. he tried to windmill. He tried to windmill in some Jordan twos once. And he's wearing a t shirt. He was wearing a t shirt under his jersey, mm. which he never does. It's some heavy ass Jordan twos. And he yeah. was like, oh, I'm going to try to windmill on the break. And he lost the ball. Yeah. I cried for a while. You know what the nastiest dunk I ever like, saw him do, bro. though, was? The nastiest dunk I ever saw him do was, was uh, when he the. Threw uh, it in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? When he threw it in. The practice yeah, before just, his yep. senior night. When he game. just decided to Blake Griffin it. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was, they were just messing. The practice was over and he was just like dunking. Like, he, I think him and someone else were like doing dunks like or whatever. Yeah. He seriously got so high. He threw it through the hoop and it like deaded on the floor. Like, it didn't it hit bounce. the ground before he did. Yeah. It was like, it like, it, I thought he popped the ball because like he yeah. deaded it. Like he he threw it through like straight down. He was so high, and like it yeah. did not even it, it barely bounced. I've never seen a ball barely bounce before, but like he, he threw it through so clean and so hard that I think it like deaded the floor. Like I think there's a dead spot now from that dunk. Like seriously, like that was the nastiest dunk I've ever seen him do. We talked about Marcus Foster more than I expected, but he was one of the more entertaining players that yeah. like I covered. Because you, know, you just still, didn't know what was going to happen. Man. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what was going to happen every night when he had it. And when he got on a heater, you know, look out. So, because he could definitely hit those tough shots off the dribble. He was a, I mean, he was a tough shot. Yeah. Like that was like his game. Yeah. It was like, yeah. 
Let's uh, right, let's switch gears. We... It's College World Series Sorry. time. Sorry, I hijacked no, your podcast. I followed No, I just want to make no. sure we're done before three hour mark, so people can actually like not fall asleep to this. Um, so it's College World Series time. Uh, first of all, show of hands, how many people watch Squeeze Play? Watch what? Skirt Squeeze Play. Squeeze yeah, play Vinny, maybe. you were busy. We'll give you a pass. <laughs> I watch, Vinny, was, okay. Vinny had some like things twice going a week, on. though. Only like yeah. twice a week, though. Yeah, John. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, squeeze play was legit. I, th- I I don't know if there's a sport that can do that besides baseball. I mean, probably softball can too because they do it with seventh inning. But like, it, I think the crazy part for me too was like how many like because they had the games starting in the same window or whatever. So like for every four or five games that there was just once you got into the seventh inning, like every box had something crazy going on. You know, it'd be like a, le- a game tying homer here, go ahead homer there, like crazy play at the bottom. Like squeeze play, I think MLB. I think MLB should do it for its playoffs. Like I know that they don't have as many games, but I think that people would watch that. I would watch it. I'm really curious. Like I don't, I don't know if I saw any ratings for it yet, but like it, it, I, I was, I was like glued to the screen. It was crazy. I didn't watch, I didn't watch a single solo game. All I watched was Stanford, Texas, and Tennessee Southern Miss. At the end, was the last solo. Everything else was all. It's kind of oh, like gosh. red zone where, you know, and in, in, with football, there's a little bit of, there's a play and then there's a break and there's a play. Mm-hmm. So your eyes can kind of go yep. to different games and basketball, the, the action doesn't stop. So it's hard to watch two games at the same time or yep. three or four, but baseball and football, it fits. So it's basically the red zone model, right? Like, so yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So, that's that, the way so yeah. It. So this, so basically the college world series just needs to, they need to play four games at the same time. Somehow they got to figure it out. We got enough. Yeah. We got enough stadiums in this in this state. We can figure out. That's way right. to do it. Um. All right. So basically, we're, I want your. We're gonna do two different two different topics. We're gonna do the winner of the College World Series and the winning school fan base of the CWS Jello Shot Challenge. So, first question is your winner. Second one is which school do you think is getting like unbelievably hammered um this summer so it's it's so wake forest wake forest stanford oral roberts tcu florida georgia florida virginia excuse me uh lsu tennessee so skur who's your champion who's your natty champ and which fan base is getting hammered in omaha well i want to start with the fan base that's getting hammered because of my man's from virginia that i'm at i'm gonna call him dipping dots i'm gonna nominate my man dipping dots to be the spokesperson for the virginia fan base this year hoping they can get the most rowdy out there i don't know virginia's far but i feel like they're one of the teams because even when i was out there like even when i was just like kind of into it virginia wasn't out there much so I feel like for a team that's not out there much, maybe they'll have a good showing this year. Hmm. Hopefully they're fans. Yeah, I feel like they Virginia haven't, they haven't on, been. I, they haven't been since 2017. I don't think, right? Is, 2017, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just uh, made that up in my some, head. Thought it's been a while, though. It has been a while. I think you're right. Check your notes. Where's Rob Anderson? I know. Dive Rob up. He's got it. Uh, Virginia 2021. 2021. 2021. Yep, they were here in 2021. Well, all right. But they've, well, they've only made five, and I think most. I think I, I think the first time they came here was when Jordan was like a freshman. So well, like, twenty twenty one. I feel like that's pandemic COVID. I feel like that yeah. wasn't you really. It was the COVID show year. Out fans wise. All right, right, good. See, my point still holds true then. 
Uh, I feel like they. So Virginia is winning the Jello Shot Challenge then for you. That's kind of an upset pick. Yeah, it's definitely an upset pick because they don't got they they definitely are not like to the caliber of like LSU and the you know constants that we see there. Like yeah. that, but I'm I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna they're gonna be my sleeper pick on the jello shots, and then I'm gonna go completely opposite and not sleeper at all in my pick to win it all. And I want to see dominance, and I want West uh, Wake West Wake Forest to Wake win for, this all. Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah, I just wanna yeah, yeah. Wake Forest. I want to. I just want to see dominance. I, I do. I think it'd be cool. Um, yeah, obviously, like the upset stories are here. I think. There are teams that definitely can beat them in this. Like, I'm not saying that. But I do want to see them just go out here and go crazy. Yeah, they got the best pitching and the best lineup. So, like, yeah, I want to yeah. see it in Omaha. It would be cool to put it on the national stage like that. Uh, yeah, no, and especially if they can. Because they, 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 they haven't been. The, yeah, they haven't been since my be parents put, were alive. So That's what I'm yeah. saying. They're going to be put in the highest pressure situations they've been in even all year. Like, and they've been in some tough ones. But I just think it'd be cool to see them like really see it through. And I've seen teams even like pull it off, like the Vanderbilts. I think that was the one that sticks out to me the most of the national championships. I was there, I believe I was nineteen, uh, the year before. Right before, yeah, nineteen. They won, they, yeah, they won a couple. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John. So, who's your I national who's your national okay. champ, John, and who's your jello shot champ? Well, I think LSU is gonna bring the most fans. But I think okay. Tennessee is going to get the most ooh, rowdy. Ooh, ooh. So if yeah. Tennessee can stick around, this is about longevity too. Like your team has Correct. to win. Yes. Because if you if you don't if your team goes out after two games, you're not going to win the Jell or something. So I'm going to say Tennessee. Um, I don't know if they're. Gonna, I don't know. I just feel like their fans are rowdy, so they stick around. Watch out. Um, okay. to win it all. Yeah, I mean, I hate to. The thing about here's the thing about Wake. Can they play into the fact that like? The best team doesn't win this thing mm. ever, and so like, in a way, they're kind of, people are not expecting them to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. Use uh, that. Like, use that. Can you video. can you twist it in a way? I don't know mm-hmm. if you can, but like, uh, typically, um, the number one overall seed does not win the tournament because or, I don't know the pressure. I don't whatever. Maybe Something. it's just baseball. Yeah. Probably just well, the, really. well, the thing with Wake is where I'll give you like the benefit of your critique here is they're used to whipping people's asses. They they haven't played a lot of close games this year, so like if that happens, what's you know what 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 happens essentially? Maybe maybe they're that good. They're so good that the the pressure of the top seed won't matter as much. Mm. They'll be able to find a way to win. I'll pick Wake though. So Wake to win it and uh, Tennessee to win the Jello Shot Challenge. Yeah. Okay. Vinny, what you got? Am I crazy or is LSU not the, the favorite for the Jello Shot Challenge? Mm, I feel like they, they're the, they're the they're favorite, favorite, I think. I yeah. would say they are. I would strength in numbers. I would come, strength in numbers. I would, they're going to bring yeah, I think everyone – I, I, I would say they're the one Tennessee's the two. Okay. Yeah. That's what I would say. I would too. I would say that, yeah, they're probably the favorite to win the Jello Shot Challenge. Because I think, I think, A, their fan base is legendary – B, they're expected to be here a while. So, like, they have both factors working in their favor. Yeah, they're coming ready. They're coming ready. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I'll go LSU as my Jello Shot champions. Uh, okay. and it was, was Tennessee, was it last year where they were like an absolute wagon and they yes. lost in the Supers? Yes. Like, they were the, they were, it was one of the, like, the, it was being, 
like hailed as one of the greatest teams of all time and they lost in the supers to Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea how many guys they lost, but I'm just going to go the sports psychology mode. When you miss out on an opportunity like that and you get a second opportunity, you come back mm-hmm. hungry and you want to get it done. I have no idea if they lost, you know, their top three starting pitchers or not. So nope, just give me, still there. Just give me yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so to, and, and to win the Jello Shot Challenge too? No, LSU's Jello Shot. Okay. Okay. So, this is I, my I have one answer for the same for the for both questions and it is Tennessee and it's for the exact reason Vinny said I think like I, like we talked about earlier with Creighton I think once you like knock on the door it like takes a couple knocks before you open it you know and I think Tennessee that their path to Omaha I think you could argue was the hardest of everyone who's here like even over Oral Roberts Oral Roberts went to Stillwater. And played in Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was the top seed in that regional, and but but Oral Roberts had beaten them twice, and then they had Washington and Dallas Baptist, um, and then they went to Oregon, who had like literally no pitching at all. I'm amazed that went three games. Um, so I yeah, uh, I think Tennessee it had the hardest road to Omaha, if that if that makes sense. And I think the reason I think they have a lot of talent. Enough that carried over to, I mean, Chase Dollander's a top 10 pick. He's their ace. Chase Burns is an ace reliever who, to me, he looks like a guy who could, like, spot start for a tired rotation or make multiple relief appearances, you know, multiple inning appearances to get, like, six or seven outs a night with, like, just gas. Like, he throws 100 and has a nasty slider, like, I feel like I, I could see him being a dude that carries them to the winner's bracket and in with the championship. So Tennessee's actually my pick to win it from a team point of view and from a jello shot standpoint, because a, I think their fan base is going to be in Omaha. Like I'm not saying LSU's fan base is overrated, but I think it has, I think the Rosenblatt days where it's like where it's banner years, and I think it's been passed in my opinion. I think Arkansas, Mississippi State, our two fan bases, I think, have seen like in Omaha recently that have that bring it more than LSU's does. But LSU has that reputation because those Omaha years, it was like, what is this? You know, when they started to tear up, tear it up, and become like a problem in college baseball, their fan base was was legendary. But I think those years are less. Then I think that they're more on legend than they are. They're more on reputation than they are on like consistency. Um, but, because so I think I think LSU, their night games are like different. You know what I mean? Like I don't. They, I, they're, they're the, they're the team. They're the team that hasn't been here since 2017. Yes, correct. With Bregman, okay. and, yeah, those guys. Right, right. Alex That's Lang why, Matt. They just haven't been here. They haven't been here. Now they're back. The fans are going to be going crazy. Okay, uh, I think Tennessee's fan base, I, like those, they're. I think they're rowdy and crazy, and like I think they're going to travel. And I think, I think, and I think the Tennessee team is going to stay around. So I think that's my. I think they'll beat LSU, and I'm thinking who else? then. So I think you know that side of the bracket is tough too because it's Wake, Stanford, LSU, Tennessee. So even the losers of game one of the of that bracket, whew, like that second so, game, that losers bracket game is going to be intense, you know. But I think like, let's say Wake Forest and Rhett Louder get the job done or whatever. Here's my thing about the matchup. I first of all, Quinn Matthews threw 156 pitches, and I think he's going to be on five days rest. 
if he pitches against Wake Forest. So I don't think he's gonna. So I guess it depends. But if he's if he's available for the LSU game, which I think Tennessee's gonna be LSU on night one, if he's available and he's not facing Paul and they're not facing Paul Skeens, I like Stanford to knock him out. So I think LSU is done on what it'll be Monday. I think they'll be they'll be going home. So I think Tennessee's gonna I think Tennessee is gonna rack up the quantity in jello shots, and then I think they're gonna win the natty. So that's my pick. Um, Same one. Who, who's time. finishing who's finishing last in the jello shot challenge? Like is Stan- is Stanford gonna is Stanford everyone's gonna be at bagging the on Stanford? No. I don't do I don't know about stuff enough about Stanford's fan base to know that they're not gonna Am I? I feel like they're underrated coming. I bet you. No, I'm not. The Sanford fans, they're they're so smart. They're like they four fifty. Wanna... <laughs> like I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm gonna make my own shots. That's not a. That's not economical. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So they're 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 looking at it from a that's my perspective. Guess. Yeah. I don't know why that's Stanford's not... getting hated. Stanford's getting a ton of hate in the Jello shot challenge. Like they they're being. If like Vinny was like saying, was is LSU the favorite? For them to even come there. Nah. Texas has more fans coming already. <laughs> Do you think Texas, Texas, more Texas families more book Texas. flights to Omaha than Stanford fans? More, more. Come on, man. They got over yeah. the hot fly real quick. They're like, you know what? We're still going to Omaha. Like what? No, Texas fans probably canceled their flight. They're pissed. Okay, but so I they're... bet you Stanford, Stanford fans are like, oh shit, we got to book this flight. Do we, do we even do we even want to go to Omaha? What do we know about Omaha? Like, True, they, they never been there. Texas people from Austin have been. Do so you think Stanford Stanford fans are probably looking at the bracket they're in with LSU, Tennessee, Wake Forest, and going ah, and like so? Yeah, you, that, yeah, yeah. They're like, okay. where do I want to be in Omaha when it's blistering hot? Do I want to be in Palo Alto? Like, I ah. plus you know what I think about Stanford crowds? Like, if you look at their crowds, it's like I don't know how many. Actual yeah, fans, no, you know what I know about like they're all like Palo students. Alto. I just, you know what I know about people from Palo Alto. Do they do they leave? I don't they think do. so. <laughs> I don't think so. They want to go to leave. Omaha as much yeah. as Texas sports fans. I know mm. Texas sports fans. They travel. Yeah, I'm. Stanford is definitely getting like they're definitely being picked. To, they're the they're the they're probably the most consistent pick to finish last. More than anyone else is being picked to finish first in Jello Shot Challenge. Yeah. What What's yeah. the scouting report on Oral Roberts look like? I'm fascinated to find out. The, yeah, okay. I'm like, because anytime you get a yeah, first time them. team, you're like, you yeah, you're like, what are you out? What's your representation they got something to prove. be like? They won't come in. Like, they got something to prove. Yeah, and yeah. it's drivable. So it is true. That's the thing. Yeah. So we'll we'll find out about Oral Roberts, like. Because they they they've got an easier side too. Like they have TCU, who's not they're not a seeded team. They're the only. But they look other, good. other than TCU Tennessee and Oral Roberts. TCU's been playing really well. Yeah, wait, other, than Oral, yeah. other than Tennessee, those are the two TCU's unseeded hot. teams in the in the field. Depends if like, like the T or the C fans from like TCU come out because like they could finish if the C fans and TCU come out. They 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 could finish last, but like they could have. They could have which... the, T, the, the T fans if the T fans come out. You could you could have it's... some you could have some competitors. Mm. I like that. Yeah, like but that. some sometimes some of Oh he froze. He's gonna come back. Oh he was about to make I was ready for 
Yeah, he was, he was about to drop some. He was about to drop some. Drop a gem. He was about to drop bars. <laughs> uh, well, let's. I hope he comes back because we this this was the podcast we wanted him on because we're gonna do our we're gonna do Star Wars comps for Big East coaches. Oh. And it's kind of funny because John and I had done this before. Um, so before Rise of Skywalker came out, I because we saw it. In we saw it together, so like we were we were all hyped, and we were like, we were watching crate. It was we were at a crate in practice. And I think they were getting ready for Arizona State. So in 2019, the year they uh won the league title. So right before Christmas break, the Jays were getting ready to play Arizona State, and John and I were just like, we were we were baby, we were in holiday mode. We were checked out. We weren't really paying attention, and we were just like, we just made a list of like Star Wars characters. And their college basketball, what it was either coaches, personalities, players, and their comp, which is funny now because there are two, there are two people that are on that list that weren't Biggie's coaches at the time, and so I'm fascinated to find out if John's comp is still the same for these people. So let's start there, um, because for Sean Miller and Rick Pitino, we had, we 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 compared Sean Miller to smoke to Snoke, and I still can't. You know what I've been looking at the last like this, this? You sent me that list last night to like. Here's what we did, and I'm like, I still can't remember why we settled on Snoke for Sean Miller, and I haven't been able to figure it out all day. And then Rick Pitino, Boba Fett, and I definitely have a different answer for that now. So like, um, so first my first question to John is like, is your Sean Miller and Rick Pitino comps are they the same as they were back then? So I thought about this, and I can't answer that without saying this first. I feel like if we're looking at the Big East. Is this is Star Wars universe? Then in my the way I frame it, UConn is the Empire, and that's right. it. The rest of the conference is okay. Rebels. Mm. UConn is or Rebels or Crime Underworld, Underworld, whatever. UConn's the Empire. They just blitz through the NCAA tournament. So order who's 66. Dan, who's Dan Hurley? They just order who's 66. Who is Danny Hurley? <laughs> He's Anakin. Anakin. They just order they just really? order 66 the whole no. college basketball world. They knocked wow. out everybody. So what phase of Anakin is he? Because he's like I, I my answer is not Anakin for Dan Hurley. Dan, Dan Hurley, he's got the anger. You know, he's okay. got the anger inside yeah, him. So do, oh, okay. so do Austin. So do Austin. So do all <laughs> literally. So, that's the one. That's the one trait they all continue. Just, you know, yeah, no. So I don't know. I, I don't have a great comp for him there because is such a there is a well, it, but UConn feels like it's got to be like okay. The, it, is. It, it is. Matt, it, I feel like that's what. Well, uh, yeah. Well, okay. So we're we're all we're just gonna go around the table for Hurley. So John's got Anakin because UConn is the Empire and Hurley is. He's like, like he, that leader. He uses his emotion for power. Right. Basically, is what Anakin yeah. did. Right. Like he. His power came from his emotion. Dude, like, right? you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. All right, Skir, what's what's your Hurley Star Wars comment? It's then? Kylo Ren. It's Kylo <laughs> Ren. It's always going to be Kylo Ren, and it's the mm-hmm. only answer. Because Kylo Ren, he could have been good. He didn't have to go to UConn. He could have been good. He didn't have to join the Empire. He really didn't. However, he wanted to go be stompy and angry okay. with the Empire and yell at all old coaches that he used to be associated with, all old masters, right? Hmm. So, yeah, Stompy is Kylo Ren. 
You were close. The anger was there, but he's not like he was. Nobody ever prophesied Danny Hurley to be the chosen one. Like Anakin. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's why I can't do Hurley for. Yeah. Here's here's no my was like, here's okay. So is 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 Yukon is Yukon the first order? That's what I think. That's, that's what better. I think is a better count for Yukon. Yes. You. Yeah. That's what I, I think saying. that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yes. So March yeah. they just they just activated the the because this, this is the new you this is a new Yukon. This is not right. any type of close okay. to the old Yukon. Like the old so, Yukon, like that was that might have been the, the Empire. Empire. Yeah. But this is so the here's first order. my Dan Hurley is director Krennic. Because director yeah, Krennic, because he's trying to build the Death Star, but he's also like trying to build a legacy at the same time, and he's he's very insecure in his stature. Like I think Tyler Run fits, but I couldn't do. I I felt like there was. I felt like Hurley's more mature than Kylo Ren, so I had to like do. I had to no. go to a place wow. where I'm like, I'm wow. looking for someone you who's thought, like, you thought Dan Hurley was more mature than I do. That's crazy. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. That's insane. Krennic, Dan Hurley yeah. is Krennic to me because he's got, he's in a position of power, but he's like still kind of underappreciated a little bit. Um, and, and he's trying to build the Death Star and trying to build his stature. Like, I think he's, he's on a mission. You know what I mean? Dude, he doesn't always go about a little it in bit. the most. Director Krennic, nobody takes him seriously, and when he gets it done, they just no take it away from him. him. They no do. One gives him they credit. kill him with it. They, they literally use it on him. <laughs> He's like, yeah. He was looking up at the sky, going, "No, f- they're not about to shoot this damn thing. I just built this." Yeah, that was a sad way to go. Uh, Vinny, uh, I don't know how like up on up on Star Wars lore you are because uh, there's been a lot since maybe. If you if you zoned out after like prequels, you've missed a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I've missed a lot. Yeah, I am, I'm learning now that I have missed quite a bit. Uh, He's like, who we are got these some, people? We got some names floating around that I am not familiar with. So we're going. Old, so Vinny's probably going to go old school then. So who is your but, Dan yeah. early Star Wars cop? So I was. I don't. I I wasn't sure if I should save this for Sean Miller, but uh, Darth mm. Maul was the first name to come to mind. That's yeah, not bad. Too much. That's, not bad. That's my Sean Miller, by the way. That is okay. spot okay. on. That is my Sean Miller. Okay, and and I was spoiler. really just going with the red face and some uh, apparently unethical behavior in the past. So okay, okay. um, yeah, uh, that's all I got. <laughs> that 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 works. You know, that's all that you works. need. That's all you need. Um, I want to do I want to do uh Rick Pitino next because I again I looked at what we did in, in four years ago and I can't figure out why I, why we why we agreed that Boba Fett was Rick Pitino or Rick Pitino Boba Fett. Mine's different. My, he's definitely Emperor Palpatine, and it's no it's for no other reason than like physical comparisons. Like he looks like death. So that's my I have no other analysis beyond that. That's it. That's all I got. I feel he, like, looks like, he looks like he looks like Palpatine. Like that's I, I, all so, I got. I might I might go job with a hut for Patino. That was my not, Sean not Miller. On, not on physical appearance necessarily, yeah. but just like a little bit slimy, a little bit, a lot of bit slimy, rule breaker, gangster. Like Patino could be a gangster if if if, if yeah. he needed to be. So yeah. uh and good at what he does. He is he, there's no denying he knows how to coach. So yeah. 
Palpatine uh, seems like too big of a figure for Patino. Like Palpatine how? ran the show. The way that people, the way national media what? is talking about Patino, like oh, yes. I I'm like, it makes me gag almost. Like, but, but the way the way they talking about the return of Patino was like when in the Force Awakens they're like Emperor's back. You're like holy shit, what? When, when Patino's back, yeah, you never really got you're like, okay, my god, I did not know this. What happened? How did this happen? Maybe I should have paid attention, but no, there was nothing to pay attention. Spoiled a big, you just spoiled a huge plot point for Vinny, too. If he ever wants to get back into it, like, what he, I think that's yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he's like, wait, Palpatine got Vader through. No, he's alive, yeah, he survived, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I'm with with Jordan, he's Palpatine. Yeah, interesting. Vinny, who you got for Patino? Does Darth Vader make sense in any fashion? I'm willing to entertain it. What do you think? <laughs> he said, "I'll entertain it." Like, He's like a oh. master of the dark arts, right? Okay, that works. I'll take that yeah. works. That's that's better than I was. I, the better, yeah. You were just like shooting for shooting in the dark there. Yeah, he's definitely got some dark side ability. Patino. There's met, no question about it. Yeah. I think he and met, he is and he is older. So you have there. like Vader's older too. So how many like old dark side users do we really have, you know? So yeah. So Palpatine for me and Skur, uh Job of the Hut for John and Darth Vader for for Vinny. Sean Miller is my job of the hut, by the way. So we'll do Sean Miller next. Job of the Hut because um I think now we can like he's he's been part of like an organized crime syndicate. His you know he's like <laughs> the FBI's been on his trail, and he's got like he's you know round in shape. So I think there's some physical. <laughs> you are the physical comparisons. The physical. Yeah, he's big, there's some physical comparisons physical. here. You know, there's some physical and Sean, there's well, behavioral. There's Sean, behavioral. Sean Miller's. He's kind of infamous for like sweating on the sidelines, right? Yeah, I could. Yeah, exactly. So you think? But yeah, Jabba doesn't. Think Jabba sweat. would be. He, he doesn't. Jabba sweat. was sweat when Leia was choking that mother. He was sweating. He was like, he was he was under pressure. So yeah, like there's, I think Sean Miller, but both in physical characteristics and in behavioral characteristics, I think he fits Jabba the Hutt. I don't know why I ever said Snoke. I can't. I, I wish I could go back to that know. day so I could listen to us talk about why we said Snoke for Sean Miller. I can't figure out. Why we Very thought that was at like that point? Different. At that point, Sean Miller was it was, he was probably an afterthought. Like, which characters do we have left? Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Well, and he was pretty villainous at the time. Like, true. Um, true. There were rumors of them paying down who they who DeAndre Ayton who said DeAndre Ayton. Okay, yeah. yeah. Skur, who's your Sean Miller? Sean Miller is Darth Maul, hundred percent. Okay. Because you thought he was dead and gone. Like, you know, you thought Obi-Wan, pops back the up. FBI chopped him in half. Uh, <laughs> and just turns out you can come back from a lightsaber kill or an FBI mm. indictment like mm. that. So, hey, yeah, he wasn't you know, charged. Allegedly. Yeah. FBI indictment, allegedly. Let me not get He wasn't sorry. charged with the crime. Christian Dawkins didn't rat him out. So, that's true. Christian Dawkins yeah. saved true. his life. Yeah. It's true, uh, John. John, what do you, John? What are you I thinking for him. Sean Miller? Are you still on the Snoke? You still I don't feel know. Like Snoke I don't fits? have. I don't have a good one for Sean Miller because I feel like I don't know. I I don't get the the same negative villain vibes from Sean Miller. He did do some mm. shady things at Arizona. Um, 
Hey, Darth Maul had a double-sided lightsaber. That was cool, right? True. And and, like in DeAndre and 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 in and in Clone Wars, he was kind of like you know, he was like in that Loki role, where he was like doing good and bad. I might have to go with you, Jordan. Go watch the Phantom Menace again. I might have to go with you, Jordan, on that Darth Maul one. I don't have a good one though. Okay, Vinny, what you what you got for Sean? I got for Sean Miller. I googled most emotional Star Wars characters and Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren was at Kylo Ren. Okay, high on that don't list. you understand yeah. what I'm saying, Hurley? <laughs> okay, yeah. I, so I, Kylo I, Ren and Darth Maul could be interchangeable for me. Yeah, that's interesting because you have, you don't even know who Kylo. That's funny that I'm glad we that got a Kylo sense. Ren yes. comp out of Vinny though, because like he has no idea of that character arc that we've seen. Like he has no reference of that, so that's kind of not a clue. I I like it though. I I, I think it's it could so fit. I think it could fit. Um. I want to do Ed Cooley next because I have a really good oh, one for Ed Cooley. Yes. I think it's actually I think it's my best other than Thad Mata, I think it's my most appropriate comparison. Is it the same as before that you have? Uh we didn't do Ed Cooley last time out. I, uh, I don't think he made the cut. Yeah. He, he was, was. He was. Wasn't he much was of a much, much of a force. Oh no, he was. Um he hadn't won a big East title yet. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was different times. Uh but uh so, so Jordan, you can go first. Who's your Ed Cooley? You want me to go first? Yes, I do want first? you to go first. Because you built it up. Okay, I have Cooley as Count Dooku. Wow. Because, because he's like because he's like That's a good he's, one. he's old, right? But but his like entire reputation has been changed because now he's almost like a dark side user at Georgetown. Going in conference, so it's like he was part of the same battle, but now he's you wearing he's playing for a different team now. So like that's different. Tyrannus, right? Yeah, like he's totally he, you know, and 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 you could see, you know, what what the thing with Dooku too is because like if you watched uh, that Tales of the Jedi series on yeah, Disney Plus, yeah. like where they went like Ahsoka and Dooku's like timelines or whatever and overlapped them, um, like you can understand you understand Dooku's point of view a little bit and why he why he did what he did and why he's now a dark side user, a Sith. You know what I mean? Like why he switched up and what That's his great. ends what his ends were. I can only, I can also relate to Cooley. And then I can also understand why Providence fans, even though I think we're way gone on like how crazy they went. And I'm hoping like Cooley goes undefeated against them through the duration of his career. Like I totally get their point of view as well. So like Dooku being that middle ground Jedi Sith and you have a kind of an understanding of why he did what he did in both lifetimes. Cooley is Dooku for me. Yeah, so I had to go with I went with Saul Guerrero for my man. Oh, I knew you were gonna go with that. Because okay. no, and and I thought you might go with it because you were going strictly based on looks before, and I thought okay, yeah, I find the trick you there. Huh? But anyway, I went with him mainly because I was like, okay, Saul Guerrero fought in I guess like the Andor timeline and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogue One. It it was really he was like, yeah, no, I'm gonna low down, just like still be on the good side and help out. And that's what I feel like my man's going over there to Georgetown to do. Like, obviously, he's going to get all this hate from the Empire and whatnot. And that's why he just got to lay low for a bit, little bit and, you know, help out his yeah. little fellow Jedi like he has yeah. always done. So, we'll see. I like that one, though. I like your Yeah. Why, why, why is he – why is uh, is Cooley going to Georgetown viewed as a negative thing? I mean, 
He's going. Well, that's he's, what I'm, he's doing charity work, man. He's resurrecting. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I said. But that's. I think that's like that's that's the, the Dooku thing. I think he realized at Providence it was like we're not, we're not doing, we're not going the right direction anymore. Like I've mm-hmm. I've, I've fulfilled my usefulness as a Jedi and I can do more good as a Sith now. Because Dooku's whole thing was like, Dooku's whole thing was like we're not the Jedi aren't the aren't aren't the arbiters of, yeah. Peace and justice. Too patient. Anymore, like too, yeah. too patient with the universe. Need to be yeah, more aggressive. Exactly. Like there needs to be there. Like more action. Yeah. His article was like, some evil is necessary. You know what I mean? That that was his I thing. I, so like that's what that's what Cooley is now. He's like, I realize I have to. Cooley. Ed Cooley is the dude that everyone likes. The guy that players want to play for. That you want to hang out with him. He's Lando Calrissian. Lando, okay, I could, I could and, go with that. Yeah, and that I don't have anything else other than Lando's awesome and and Ed Cooley's awesome. Yep, I'm, I'm with you on that. Vinny, what you got for Ed Cooley? Oh man, uh, Yoda, because he's wise and mm. likable. Okay, okay, <laughs> I could see a, I could see. A, I'm with you because, like, I was thinking You're veteran terrible. Jedi Force user. So yeah, I'm. I think that's an acceptable comp for for Ed Cooley. If I, if I get a C in this, I'm you're doing. I think you're doing really well so far. For yeah, being, you're doing good. I'll take. Yeah. It. What's the last Star Wars? I don't even know how to call it anymore because there's shows now. Like, what's the last Star Wars um, thing you've seen? It was one of the prequels, and I remember it was a big deal because it was at like the IMAX at the Henry Dorley Zoo. Do so you don't even know if it was like Revenge of the Sith? Like, do you know what prequel it was? What happened in the prequel? What, what I, that, that's that's too in depth of a question. Wow. Yeah. So he might even he might not even have Revenge of the Sith updated yet. Dang. Was Darth Maul Revenge of the Sith? No. Phantom that's Menace. Phantom Menace. Very the very first prequel. That that might yeah. be where I tapped out. Woo. Yeah. This is, then you're in so, that case you're doing really well. I think yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, I have you on like the B grade, B plus grade so far, <laughs> considering how far behind you are. Um, uh, what's next? Let's uh, let's do Shaheen Holloway. Let's do Shaheen Holloway next. John, you want to go first this time? I haven't thought about Shaheen. Okay, he's on he's on my list of uh, coaches that I do not like because uh, he. Well, he sl- he took down my yeah. old mater. Oh, uh, true. Just like, just true. like the way you don't like him, Disney did not like who I think is his character, and he is Finn to me because I'm like, yeah, you could really have, um, you could have a storyline here, but I don't think the Big East gonna let you now that Rick Pitino and all these other stories. Like, you could really be in this. You They're really gonna write we They're first write got off. you. We first got you in this league. We we thought you could do something. We we you you were part of the franchise. However, now we got some other people in here. We want to make the story more about them. Yeah, huh? I don't think it's gonna be about you, Shaheen. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's gonna go. You're welcome. Interesting, Vinny. Who do you have for Shaheen Holloway? Uh, Anakin Skywalker. That's okay. the end of my answer. Yeah. I just want to Anakin Skywalker. Kaheen is a tough one. I do agree with that. I think uh, 
it's it's hard. I I, I kind of like Saul Guerrero for Shaheen. He's scrappy. Okay. He's gonna he's gonna bring his boys to the fight. Um, I don't know if he necessarily is gonna operate like cross the line the way Saw did with his yeah. guerrilla war tactics and. Mm-hmm. But I think that he he is that's, gonna that's, that's Cooley's flex offense. <laughs> hey, he doesn't run the flex anymore, man. Exactly, only... it's different. Yeah, it's all that's what I mean. He's totally a different person now. That's Count Dooku. That's what he's not even yeah. the same same wow, Jedi anymore. That's good. That's so Shaheen Holloway cool. for me is uh, is Caspian Andor because no, I feel like most of his most of his <laughs> success, and this is weird to say because he remained in Rome with St. Peter's, but like. I don't think he's done anything. God, this is going to be hard to argue. I, I want to say of significance, but like of, I don't think he's going to be like remembered for his yeah. accomplishments. Like he wasn't in the Clone but Wars. I think there like are accomplishments the that like were impactful and significant, but I think he's always going to kind of be an afterthought in the big picture of raising the Big East profile. I think, I think he'll help raise the Big East profile by being a, by making Seton Hall a more elevated floor, like they won't be mm-hmm. like doormat style of a floor, you know, they'll be like good enough to beach the best teams, but not good enough to win the league kind of thing. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of Caspian to me because he's like he's just a behind the scenes, he's a cog in the in the machine of the Rebel oh, like Alliance, that. like you know what I mean. So he's Caspian to me. Um, I had the toughest one with. Um, Tony Stubblefield. I don't know what to do with. Oh this my man. gosh! Like I, 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 I just don't. I don't know what we're. Oh, that's. I don't know what to make of that yet. No, he is. I forget his name right now. He's the only one I actually don't have on my list, but I got the name for you. I think he's like who is Luke's? Who is Luke's like homie yeah, from the up. from the back in the day? Like, what was his uh? Oh, the like guy his the, is his pilot flying. buddy wedge. Yeah. Wedge, yeah. Like I feel like Stubbs was wedge. Like he's he's a like he he. I don't know. Is that is nice. He's, yeah, he's part of the Rebel Alliance. He's part of like the team, but again, like kind of like Shaheen, there's not going to be an ascension to a stature that requires him being a main character in any of the films or shows. You know, so I think he's wedge. Like just a player, someone you someone you remember, but you also don't like. You also forget, kind of thing. I feel like I've stumped everyone on Stubblefield. Honestly, I got go no idea. Yeah, no. I'm going with. I'm going with Everyone's Nuke like Gunray. agreed. I'm going with Newt Gunray because I think he is. He's just one of the separatists that is like there just to be there because we need we need a separatist. Like I guess we just need DePaul. Like Actually, that's pretty good. There. That's yeah. pretty so good. I'm gonna go with, that's I'm really gonna go good. with Newt Gunray. Yeah, I like it. Um, sorry, John, are you in agreement with? <laughs> do you have anyone for Stubbs? Are you I, yeah, I, abstaining. I'll, pa- I'll pass on on Stubbs. Okay, if something Vinny, comes to me, I'll let you know. Yeah, you will. We'll roll back. Just blurt it out. Vinny, do you have a, a Tony Stubblefield uh, Star Wars comp? I was just gonna say generic stormtrooper because. That works. We did have stormtroopers. DePaul coaches just cycle in and out, it seems like, without much uh, interesting things going on there. Sure. Yeah. 
What were our stormtroopers? What was our who made the that, yeah, that was stormtroopers were the refs, right? Wasn't it? Were they the refs? Yeah, I think you guys had refs. College basketball refs were the stormtroopers. Yeah. Yep, college basketball refs for us. Well, because they're they're not great at right. Exactly, they're pretty. They <laughs> yeah, they never hit, they've never hit a shot in their life, <laughs> yeah. and they still are just out here in the universe trying. Yeah. Well, to do it's it kind of a job. it's it's like college basketball refs supposedly get Super like ninety. Well, they get like ninety percent of the calls right, and stormtroopers supposedly shoot accurately. But when you see them on screen, it's like. What is happening? Like yeah, all these, you can't you can't make good. a shot. Yeah, you can't make a call. They're all wrong. So every time they're not like in every time they're not in a in a scene that's like happening, they clearly have a presence, right? Like they're they're necessary. But then when they're like part of the actual action, they're it's usually bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's usually sorry. for bad reasons. Sorry to bad reasons. referees yeah. out there, but man, there's a no, mountain of evidence. Um, Thad, the game scenarios. I'm going first on Thad Mata. He is my Saw Guerrero because he's just like physically breaking down. I don't think there's, I think that I think the hire was an absolute disaster. I don't think it's gonna, I don't know what Butler was thinking. I don't know what that's gonna turn into, but it's not gonna be good for them. Um, but I just think like it's, I, I think he has more. I think Saw Guerrero actually had more usefulness. I don't know what Thad Mata is gonna be able to pull off here. That's gonna over, like overperform the uh, Laval Jordan era. You know what I mean? So he's my Sagar just basically because he's shot. <laughs> Sorry. Who was the dude at the start of Force Awakens who was like kind of Jedi looking, like who had sort of that little. Um, like the piece of the map to where Luke Skywalker was that they had to. Okay, cover. I know what you're talking about. Uh, it was that uh, guy? remember the yeah. movie opened. Like, I can't he's remember in his this name. Camp. He's in a camp, like kind of hiding out. Yeah, and you're like, who a, is this guy? Like, he seems like makes he, him to get the. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's like he seems like that's he could not, be. Yeah, that's pretty good. A legit person, and then it's like you never hear from him again. Um, so that was my comfort that where, cause when he got hired, it was like, Oh, y'all got that model. And then we see the products and we're like, Oh, it is. There was, there was, when they were, when they, when they were playing Creighton in Omaha, like Creighton was on a, uh, they were in transition and I thought he was going to get run over. I really, like he was. He was on the court, like watching the defensive possession or whatever, and then like they turned it over, and Creighton was running it back down, and he had a, like he had to get he had to make like three steps to get. Oh, out so of we it. see three PO then, like just running through okay. the last yeah. fire. Sure, that works too for sure. Like the but the steps were they were labored, and I was like, oh god, he might get run over here. Oh, see three PO after he got like blown up. Yeah, when they, when they were carrying back. him in Empire Strikes Back, they were yeah they were yeah yeah. Jordan, who you got for Thad Mata? So with that model, I actually have an interesting one. I got my man Plo Koon because, like, that model, like, Plo Koon was, like, a legend in the Clone Wars. Okay. And so, like, that model was, like, a legend at Ohio State. Like, he did some good things. However, 
Like, yeah, like Order 66 happened and bad things happened. Order 66 mm-hmm. happened for him and bad things happened. And, you know, you just can't recover. So, like, you know, he's still remembered great, but I don't know if he's ever going to be the Jedi that once was Plo Koon. Okay. Uh, Kim English. This is a tough one for me, too. Vinny, do do Bad Mata? Did you have one? I, I didn't, Mata? but uh, I Googled Emperor Palpatine and... That I again, I'll, yeah, I could final see answer. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, yeah, given your, given your, given we can your let him use it twice. Yeah, yeah, for Did sure. I use him twice. Okay, well, uh, maybe I'm not, I'm, we'll have to listen back. <laughs> maybe you can be senator. I'm just, I'm honestly with Vinny, I'm just like impressed you can keep naming Star Wars characters. That's like what I'm like. Oh, I've got like, Google up, my guy. Okay, <laughs> it's like I have a database ready. <laughs> um, uh, next one is King Kim English, our new coach on the block, or are yet to. We don't really know who he is yet. Yeah, Poe Dameron. Poe, huh? Okay, yeah. so you think there's going to be some like there's going to be some usefulness here then? In yeah, like he was he's a pilot. And... He's a good like he's pilot. He's a assistant coach. Yeah. We don't know if he can, you know, lead the fleet yet. But right, he's flown his own plane pretty well. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like. Yeah. That. Honestly, that reasoning is pretty legit. Yeah, I mean Poe ends up being like a pretty. I mean, Kim, you're you're basically setting the stage that Kim English might need to win a title here, or at least get him in position to win a title. Yeah, I gotta get in position to do something, and so we'll see. Yeah, you know what? I think you've changed. I, I'm I'm I kind of like that reasoning on Kim English, like because because Poe was like, yeah, he he was kind of like the hot shot. But he didn't really like. He didn't really have that respect level. He found out, unfortunately. He's like, "You're not leadership material." You know, there's some doubt here. Yeah, I like that, Vinny. I was gonna say Baby Yoda, Grogu, huh? You finally got a Baby Yoda reference from Vinny. Okay, I like it. Is Baby Yoda young? It feels like he should be. Oh, uh, I don't really know how they established his timeline. If age is, like, yeah. We he don't really know Baby Yoda. Well, he was alive, young. like Baby Yoda was alive for the Order sixty six, right? Yeah. So, so was, and yeah. then he's still alive after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So we don't really that? know. Well, in I'm, my mind, man, Baby Yoda is young and promising and smart, smart for yeah. his age, given his years. He's definitely getting better with the Force. Like he's still developing his Force powers. So mm-hmm. I like that. I, I like that for King English. That's a pretty good one. Uh, Shaka Smart. I have uh, I have um, Luke for Shaka because like because uh, I just hang on a minute because I think he's <laughs> Jordan's like mad. I have like because I think he's going to be a really powerful Jedi, but um, like right now he's like. I think everyone's got this like Sweet Sixteen streak, like this NCAA tournament like barrier he keeps brushing up against. So I think there's like some doubt in like his, uh, you know, he's in his teenage years right now. He's like helping on the farm, and his and his uncle won't let him go, be part of the alliance yet, and fighting the fight the Empire and all that. Like, but I think he's got powers. I think he's like a powerful eventual Force user that's going to be one of the best coaches in the league. So I think he's like, he's, he's changed his ways. 
You don't get the Come force. You can't win in the NCAA tournament. You just, that's just how it works. I don't make the rules. If you can't win in you're the not NCAA gonna, tournament, well, yeah, you're not going to so That's why he's stuff. Boba Fett. He's Boba Fett. Because in the NCAA tournament is the monster that ate Boba Fett. Like, he comes back from it. Like, he definitely yeah. comes back. And he's old and, like, figures something out. Okay. At the Book of Boba Fett series. That's where mm-hmm. he's at now in his career. Because, like, VCU... Wow. That was early Boba Fett, but like now it's this is this is Marquette is Book of Boba Fett for him. So wow. he's here to make his last stand. So yeah. so you don't like you think the VCU years were better than like what he just did last year, then, huh? Like that's I don't. I thought no, last year was the. I think that no, there was episodes in Book of Boba Fett like the beginning in the story, like when he had to triumph and like come back okay. and scam people. That's what he just did. <laughs> Yeah, he, just, I, he, yeah. Was in, he was at Texas and was swallowed was, up by the that was it. Like he was, in, he in was the in the Sarlacc pit in Austin, is what you're saying? That's that the Sarlacc it. pit. Thank you. Yeah, that was okay. it. You know, it was in Austin. It just happened okay. to be in Austin for him. Um, I'm fascinated. Yeah. I'm fascinated to hear what John's comp is because he's not. He has. He hasn't been in the shot on the shock of yeah, training. You're not shock of smart like, era. Yeah, no. It, well, he hasn't. I mean, he's he's always been like kind of like a skeptic, a shock of skeptic. So I'm curious. I have, but but I'm. But I'm giving him Han Solo. That's, that's not bad. That's, yeah. that's not bad. I'm giving him Han Solo. Yeah, it he does is, have it some is. wild card to him, right? Yeah, he is. He is a wild card guy, mm. and um, and and you, yeah, because you don't quite know like where he fits in the whole sort of Big East universe. Is he is he a villain? Is he a likable guy? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, and he definitely has some flaws. All right. So, uh, um, I'm gonna go on. So everyone's pawing along here. I'm saving Mac for last, just because yep. you know, it's Creighton Pod. So we're gonna save the big guy for last. Um, Vinny, who do you have for Shaka Smart? I was also gonna say Han Solo because he's nice. divisive. Apparently, I just see a bunch of Han shot first, and I don't know what that is even in reference to. <laughs> um. But he just like feels... stumbled upon like the maybe He's... the greatest debate in Star Wars. Seriously, <laughs> that's pretty good. And so it feels like you know, like Marquette people love him as a Creighton guy. Like I don't know if I can say I love him. Uh huh. And I'm sure other other schools around or fans of other schools around the Big East might have uh... polarizing character, huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm seeing a bunch of <laughs> that was a great way to introduce. <laughs> we could have done a whole two hour pod on Han Shot for. Yeah. Um okay, so Kyle Neptune's next. Uh Scurry, you lead us off. Who is Kyle Neptune in your Star Wars? Jedi Knight, probably appointed by Yoda. Yoda is J. Okay. That's just how it goes, man. That's just interesting. I have a very similar one because I pick Luke for Kyle Neptune. Mm. And um and Obi-Wan was J. Wright in my mind. That's why I kind of like same same track. I have yeah. I'm 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 kind of on your trajectory there john but i have anakin for neptune and jay wright is palpatine like the old like palpatine like he's so anakin's right now like he he you know he tried to be a like a good jedi a team player and like go to fordham and you know be uh yeah rank up you know, in the yeah try to become a master of his own you know yeah. and then like once he realized he like, like, use no, violence use I need violence. to go yeah small I need to go back to Villanova I need to play small ball I need to like get yeah. the portal 
I need to like over recruit and like I don't know how he's going to divvy up playing time next year because their roster is just insanely loaded with wings, like nothing but like it's Eric Dixon and then a bunch of wings. Like yeah. it's I, I'm fascinated. So yeah, I think he's I think he's like pre Sith, but like close to dark side user Anakin. Like he's in that middle, he's in that transformational stage of Anakin's arc. And I think we're about to find out if Neptune's going to be like the Jedi who balances the force or the dark side Sith user who like just absolutely torments the galaxy for a couple decades. We're going to find out. So he's, he's, he's in that form of Anakin for me. Now, who's... Nova Nova has to be for me. Nova is like on the light side of the force because like the, biggies, on the light side of the force really. The biggies would not have survived in the way that it has without mm. Nova. So in like a biggies centric sort of universe, yeah. so you like, think Yukon represents all that's all that's evil about the biggies time, and then yeah, Villanova right. is the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> Interesting. Villanova is the, I like is that the team. So is that uh, Neptune's Luke for you, and that's why? Because yeah, because uh, yeah, that's why. That's All right, why. and, and he's who, got J, and he's got Jay Wright, who has been yeah. played. There's a mentor who wants is out, right. but he's still giving him advice. Like yeah, he's like he's like in. dead, and he's not he's not useful in the physical sense anymore. But he's still there, and yeah, in in in, in an advisory role. Right? Neptune's about to like call a play, thirty seconds left, and yeah. Jay Wright's like, trust your feeling. That's true. <laughs> From a certain point of view, um, <laughs> this play will work. Uh, Vinny, who you got for Kyle Neptune, Villanova's new coach? I'm uh, scraping here, but I'm going with Princess Leia because he's young and hot. Young and hot. <laughs> I like it. I, 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 I can a, get balance, a balanced set of skills, and, and that is uh, the end of my analysis there. Okay, not bad. I think that I think that he could end up being a Leia for the league for sure. Absolutely. Um. Last one is Mac. So Mac to me is is a uh, Qui Gon because he dies. What? Dang man! Well, man, listen. Okay, dark, hold on. Qui Gon's been he's been like we've had Clone Wars now and we had Tales of the Jedi. He's gotten it was is Obi Wan Doug? And he came back at the end is of Obi Wan Doug. What is going <laughs> on? I'm confused. I, I didn't find an Obi Wan. Is, have... is Anakin? Wait, who is well, Doug then? Wait, explain this to me. I mean, yeah, who would Doug have? I don't know. I didn't think about it. That, that has part. a lot to do with I didn't my go answer. it does have a lot to do with it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So but I, that's why okay. my answer. Well, here's okay, so here's yeah. why he's Qui-Gon for me is like because he he is one of the more prominent um Jedi, right? Especially in terms of the Big East. Because yeah. J Wright's gone now and he's like him and Cooley are the are the um most veteran coaches in the league now. And I have Dooku as Cooley, so I had to like make Mac somewhat of a relationship with Cooley in the sense that I don't know if it works that Cooley is Mac's mentor in a sense, but it works that they are in tandem together in some form of the Star Wars arc. And I think if I put Dooku as Cooley, Mac has to be some, he either had to be Yoda or Qui Gon. And I wasn't really ready to give him Yoda. Um, I don't have him like as quite the master Jedi yet, but I have him like close to influential Jedi. And I think that's what Qui-Gon was because Qui-Gon mentored uh, Obi-Wan. He made sure Obi-Wan trained Anakin 
Anakin, even though he had a, some bouts with alcoholism, you know, in his late twenties, you know, and got lost a little bit there, he did end up balancing the force via his offspring. So there was like, you know, there was good in the end. Um, he saw the light again. So I think like McDermott's arc of his Big East trajectory is Qui Gon to me. That's that's who he is. Interesting. What do you have for Mac? Who's your your old coach? Who do you have as your Star Wars comfort? Your so old Mac coach? is Mando because if Mac is a Mandalorian because he's the greatest thing that like like similar to Star Wars, right? Like Mandalorian is the greatest thing Star Wars has produced post what? When did Revenge of the Sith come out? 2000 okay. and whatever like let's say the late 2000 2005 2004 yeah. 2005 cool yeah. so the best thing the big east has done since like 2004 2005 is like creighton in so that's like how it's like mm. there's that and then also grogu is dug because that was all that balanced the force okay very highly coveted by the dark side aka the nba in this situation mm. but you know we had to keep on to him for at least two seasons or so before we see what happens to him. Like Luke coveted Grogu to train him. That's the NBA. We were going to train him to be a note, but you know, Mac was like, no, nah, we got to teach him this Mandalorian life. Uh, this is the him, way, Doug. Keep him this on the way. way. <laughs> and yeah, this is the way. Let it fly. Same thing. Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> okay. I love the reasoning behind that. I'm, 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 I'm back in that for sure. John, who you got for Mac? Chewbacca. You know you what's even, funny? Do you, you even know? called him the big guy. You even called him the big guy. Yep, I did. Chewie. I mean, Chewie is a likable person or a likable character in Star Wars. Max, yeah. Max likable. He's been around, integral to the rebellion. Um, and he's buddies with Lando. Max buddies with Cooley. So okay, that works. I like. I, I like when. I like how you tied it together. That's what I was. I don't about. have a good comp for 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 Doug though. Yeah, uh, if, if, if Mac is yeah. Chewbacca, maybe Mac, or maybe Doug is uh, the the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, or the crossbow, you know, just like the, or the crossbow, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, real quick, before we get to Vinny's, uh, like when Mac was at Northern Iowa and like they were always playing Creighton, like Creighton fans on message board called Mac Chewy because he was like Chewbacca, like. Big. He's just a massive yeah. human. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. Mac. I mean, pretty much every time you see him in the handshake line with a coach, he just like engulfs. Yeah. Him. Right. That's like what, Chewbacca that's would. Great. Right. That's why I think it. I never called him Chewbacca, but that was <laughs> Chewie was his nick. Like even when I remember, like there was rumors that he was like gonna be hired by Creighton from Ohio State when Dana left. Like people were like, "We're hiring Chewie." I'm like, I still don't get it, but all right, like. It's all about the physical nature, I'm sure. It was. It was. All right, Vinny, close out our segment here, our pod, with your Greg McDermott Star Wars count. This is going to be a boring end because I also was going to go with Chewbacca because he's big, likable, and of underrated intelligence. Um, hmm. And I, I yeah. didn't have enough time to pivot to another uh, option. You know what? That's a brilliant uh, bit of analysis for your choice, Um and I and I commend you because you were taking some some desperate home run swings this whole segment. And mm-hmm. I think you acquitted yourself pretty well. Yeah. Given how far I'm shocked how far behind you are. And that you were <laughs> able to and yeah, yeah, like the fact that you made it through this segment, given how far behind you are. We're 
we're not even sure if you've seen Clone Wars or Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I have. Yeah, that's pretty insane that you made it through this segment without being like Phantom Menace being possibly your last bit of Star Wars lore. Yeah. Right, guys? I think Vinny did pretty I'm, well. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Well, everybody, yeah. I, th- great yeah, job. I mean, this was a great podcast, a lot of fun. It was fun chopping it up with Vinny, catching up. Um, kudos, man, on the coverage from the Nuggets. Like, you did a great job, seriously. It was like, I only gave you your flowers at the end, but it was crazy fun following that, that, um, your coverage all season because, like, they were, it felt like they were, you know, about to break through and the fact that they did. And it was just cool, like, seeing you, like, in LA and in the locker room and, like, and then, I don't know. I know it was probably weird getting congratulations because you didn't, like, you didn't win the championship. But, you know, it's just cool seeing. Because, we, like, we, I remember being on press row, like, sitting next to the band because we were, like, the rejects back then. Like, they, we didn't we didn't get, like, the cool seating yet. So, like, we were – they always put us next in that in that little folding table next yep. to the pet band, and we could barely see the other end of the court most times. And I could never ever hear my own thoughts half the time because of the pet band. But – and it's just like now you're in the locker room with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and – pretty cool shit man i appreciate that thank you and john it was good catching up because you haven't talked to the creighton folks in a bit so they probably missed you it's always good to go down memory lane that's i thought you had more there (laughs) i don't know I thought you. It, what? I, yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Living the dab. No, that life, was that was no. There's nothing wrong my, with what you said. I just thought there was paintings. more coming. That's why I paused. But I thought you. Were, that's, I thought that's there the was, work of. That's the work I didn't of my feel son. Like, yeah, the hands and feet up there. So that's pretty good. Paintings yeah. in the background. Well, whatever. You have, I think from dad life, John. You can come on a pod and come down memory lane with us. That's right. right. I think John. I think John. I think you. I think people know about Simon. I don't think they know about Natalie yet. Right? Like you have a daughter too. Right. Yeah. She just yeah. turned ten months. So it's a little wild in our house right now, but a three-year-old and a 10-month-old. Yeah. But, well, we appreciate you coming on and taking time to uh, always reminisce and to have a little bit of fun with us as well. And then my man, Skr, always good to chop it up with you. So always. I hope everybody enjoyed this pod. I know we ran super long, so break you it up You might have to chop bit, this up into segment. like three segments yeah. or something. Our segments, I think, I think each of our segments could have been a separate pod of its own. Honestly, like we we, we can do that. We can make we it. We did a good job hashing up our our topics. We did, we fleshed them all out. We might bank some. Yeah, everybody, with thanks for tuning in. We know it's been a minute, but um, you know, life gets busy. Jordan's been all around the world. John's got a family, and I have no excuses. I should have been. Why my excuses are Jordan's been around the world, and I can't That's do scurry. Right, I can't do scurry in the scrub without the scurry. So, you know what I mean. Why, that's why it's been a minute. Well, we hope you all enjoyed this podcast. But thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate Johnny Atawa, Vinny Benedetto for hopping on and um, joining us. And then my man for Jordan Scurry. I'm Matt DeMarinas. This has been Scurry in the Scrub. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Talk to you soon.